Leading Britain's conversation. You're listening to a podcast of The Steve Allen Show from LBC. Morning, everybody. Welcome to Friday, the 28th of July. It's Steve Allen's early breakfast on LBC. It's nice to have you company. Hope you're well. Had a good day yesterday. It was still a fairly good day. Okay, kind of a day. And uh, I'm still waiting for the rain. I'm still waiting. They keep saying it's going to get worse. It's going to be terrible. And uh, we've got some good stories this morning. We've got some so-so stories. and We've got some sad stories as well. Uh, The good news is they have dumped the jump, uh, mainly because they've had so many people who've hurt themselves, mainly because it's a lot of desperate Z-less people who want to go on a television programme and they know nothing about it. They don't know about skiing. The only person who knew about skiing was Spencer Matthews, and even he got injured as well. Uh, The £50 million a year cannabis kingpin, the Amazon boss who gets to the top of the world's richest list, Uh, the missing cat reunited with its owner after four years, and Bex's bottom line, it's pen to bum, as he goes off on another attention-seeking road trip. Also, the family's grief for the girl electrocuted on the railway tracks. How many times do we say to people, how many times, you know, don't go near railway lines, they're dangerous. It's even, even on tubes, you know, the whole thing looks sort of fairly dangerous to me as the tube trays. Luckily, they come into the stations a little bit slower than they used to. Uh, also, the, um, the tragedy of Charlie Gard. Now we've got the, uh, the mother saying we've been denied our final wish. Uh, I wish the, this family... And and I'm trying to have tons and tons of sympathy for them because I wouldn't want to be put into that uh, situation. Can't they just thank Great Ormond Street for the work that they've done? Is it not possible for them to do something like that? I just sort of worry that they're sort of they're turning out to be very ungrateful. They've bent over backwards. They've done as much stuff as they can do at the hospital, and uh, and all they get is they get sort of knocked every bit of the way. They're doing their best. This child is incurable. This child is terminal. This child is going to die. All they're arguing over is when. You know, when, 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 when. But to sort of come out and say, we've been denied our final wish, like they know more about this than the hospital do. The hospital know everything about this. And they're learning as well. They certainly learn for the next time they get somebody like this. But um, she blasted the doctors. I mean, would it not be nice to turn around and go, thank you very much indeed for everything that you've done for him so far. All right, we're going to lose him. But that's not their fault. They didn't make him terminal. They just did the best that they could. And so now, because they wouldn't allow him to go home to die, because they can't get the equipment through their front door, so they've been out there, they've obviously measured the door and discovered you can't get this equipment. And also, thousands and thousands of pounds worth of equipment is connected up to him at the moment. It's, it's a situation, as you know, he's blind, he's deaf, he's brain damaged. There was never, never any chance of him being able to fly to America because the bloke in America can't do anything for him either. And that we discovered when he came over here. And so, you know, I just wish they were just a little bit more thankful. You know, there's no doubt they've obviously got great love for this for this child, but just be a little bit more grateful for the doctors who, you know, there are hundreds and hundreds of other children in the hospital. You know, occasionally, very occasionally, they lose a child. You know, in most cases, the children go home. You know, they will cure them. In this particular case, we don't know enough about the illness and they can't do anything for him. But just be a little bit more grateful. I understand you're hurting and I understand all the rest of it. But it's now become this sort of this shouting in court and arguing and and then sort of followers of this uh, couple who seem to think it's great to uh, troll the doctors and the nurses and the people who, you know, every day they wake up. They don't think, oh, let's let's see if we can sort of, you know, destroy another family. 
they go there to save life in Great Ormond Street Hospital. That's why it's the hospital it is. That's why it's the most successful children's hospital in the entire world. All they had to do yesterday was come up with a team of people who could look after Charlie in his final moments. And we don't know how long those final moments are. We just know that when he moves into a hospice, whichever hospice it is, uh, they will then disconnect him from the machine and then... I suppose, begins the countdown. How long can he survive without the machine working for him? And the answer is probably not very long at all. I mean, I'm, I'm almost thinking, you know, a matter of not even an hour. Because he's just a little baby. If it's an adult, an adult can fight a little bit of the way. But he doesn't know that. He doesn't know. He just knows he's sort of connected up to something. He probably doesn't even know that. Because he's never known anything. He was, he's been eight months there. Eight months there, and that's what's so sort of terrible about it. So she's attacked the hospital, and uh, it's just, it's unnecessary. They've done their very level best. You will find thousands upon thousands upon thousands of parents who will say thank you, Great Ormond Street, for the great work that they do. Just every so often, a child died. They were right from the very beginning. There was no point. This child could never go to America and could never be saved. And because of the nature of what they what they call the Hippocratic Oath, which is they are, you know, they have to make somebody comfortable. They don't want this little baby going back home to somebody's house in Bedfont. They've now said, oh, we've been offered a two-bedroom flat. Well, you know, surely best that Charlie dies, because he's going to die, whichever happens, uh, in the hospital where he's been for months and months and months. Isn't that better? You know, to be surrounded by all the love and attention of the nurses and everything else. It's never going to be nice when he does die. And when they say at whatever time it is, he's, uh, he's, he's left us to go to the angels. You're never going to get that. And they're going to be there at the end. And that's, that's going to be the horrendous thing. But surely, surrounded by all the staff at the hospital would be better. Would it not? Supposed to be stuck in a, either a hospice or a two-bedroom flat. Some people got completely the wrong idea about the hospices the other day. They say it's a place you go to die. It absolutely is not. It absolutely is not. Mosques, uh, sorry, mosques, uh, hospices would be very upset if people were talking about that's where you go to die. You don't. My mother went in for a rest, uh, well, to give her carer a rest, who was her, uh, her sister. And her sister said it was very demanding because my mother was in, <coughs> excuse me, the last stages of, uh, of uh, cancer. And, uh, and her moods changed. You know, I can remember her sister saying to me, and they were very close family, very close, saying, I said to her the other day, would you like some soup? And she said, oh, I'll have some soup. She said, I took soup up. She went, I'm not eating that. She said her mood changed, but that was the cancer, so I put it down to that. So the only reason my mother went into a, into a hospice was because her, her sister needed a break from it. So you don't go into hospices necessarily to die. I mean, some people do. Some people do. But um, the, the mother says, we just wanted some peace with Charlie, away from everything, time to say goodbye in the most loving way. We've had no control over our son's life. Well, of course you haven't, because you're not medically qualified, and no, no control over his death. No, because, you know, you were sort of saying we want to take him home, but looking at how many tubes he's connected up to, so no matter how many nice pictures you might have of, of little Charlie, he's connected up to tubes, and those tubes are the ones that are keeping him alive. So I suspect today... Uh, he'll be... Well, they must be into the final stages because they don't seem to have gone any further. They've had a couple of offers from uh, from doctors to look after him in his, in his last moments. So, in fact, it's not going to be as you wanted anyway. He's still going to be surrounded by equipment and he's still going to be surrounded by doctors. So why not leave him where he is? You know, with the people who've looked after him for the last eight months, as opposed to somebody coming in who, uh, who doesn't know him at all, really doesn't. Um, Prince William, who apparently at one point was something to do with a helicopter... And he, say, he says, I've seen things I cannot unsee. 
like sort of accidents and stuff like that. But I mean, that's the same for everybody, isn't it? That's the same for funeral directors. That's the same for, you know, the emergency services, police on the motorway, stuff like that. So, you know, you might be immune from it. But other people, they deal with it on a day-to-day basis. They were looking for his career the other day. There's not much going on in William's career. Really, not, not, a, not a huge amount. Uh, also, Paris is the, is the first place for dearest round of drinks. It's so expensive in Paris. Although, strangely enough, some friends of mine went to Vegas. And they thought Vegas was really pricey. See, I always thought Vegas was cheap because they want you to gamble. They don't, they don't care about, you know, the drinking and the food and all the rest of it. That's kind of complimentary if you're spending enough money. In fact, in some of the hotels, when they sort of fly in gamblers from around the world, they'll, they'll comp you the suite with butlers and people to cook your food and everything like that. But uh, Paris is the most expensive city. Visitors fork out £13.68 for a beer, a coffee, a bottle of water and a Coke. Well, we thought Paris was really expensive. We went over there. We went on Eurostar. Where did we go? A couple of years ago now. We went over there. And, um, and we go to Paris. And we, and we tried to do all the sites in one day. So we did Montmartre. We did the Eiffel Tower. We got mobbed by beggars outside Notre Dame. Uh, people doing the three-card trick. Aggressive Algeria. Oh, my. I'll tell you, we, we, we ran the gamut of people over there. Shouted out, abused, everything. And you get people trying to attach bracelets to your wrist. You know, get off my wrist. You know, you get a lot of that. There's a lot of lot of aggressive begging in uh, in Paris. And anyway, so 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 we did everything in one day, and then we decided at lunchtime we get something to eat. Well, I tell you, the, I mean, I thought they were just using computer numbers on the menus. It was like hamburger. You know, I mean, admittedly, we didn't go to a chain or anything, and I'm assuming they have got McDonald's and stuff like that in Paris. But it was really pricey. Hamburger in one restaurant, just by the side of a roundabout, not even a special... 55 euros they were charging. It was so expensive. The cheapest thing we found was croque-monsieur and croque-madame, and I think we had a portion of chips between three of us. It was just ludicrously expensive. I thought the French must be mad! mad to spend that sort of money. But I suppose if you grow up in that environment where you get used to those prices. I get people saying, London's really expensive. And I go, do you think so? I mean, I wouldn't eat at any of these places round here because it's for tourists. And tourists will pay anything. They, they think this is normal. Whereas you can get, you know, food much, much cheaper than this. You can go into sort of the pretz and everything else and get... So even their, their sandwiches are not exactly cheap, are they? I quite like... The, the, in in pret they do a nice cheese roll baguette thing which has got some onions that's quite nice but again it must be a couple of quid or something which and i never drink the coffee in these places but uh oh we had another little incident in starbucks the other day in twickenham you remember the bloke who couldn't make my drink and got it wrong twice so i go in yesterday and there he is mister couldn't really give a toss about the customer and um so he, he now cannot remember what my drink was even from yesterday his short-term memory is unbelievable. Whereas the bloke in uh, Burger King at Waterloo Station, I walk in and he goes, two large hash browns. I think, thank you very much. Two large hash browns. So I have those on the train. And so Starbucks, so I go in there and he goes, yes. And as you know, if, if I'm sort of particularly annoyed with something, I give the wrong name, you know. And name, and I always go, Dave. So they write Dave. I, I'm going to go Ebenezer one of these days and see whether we can change it. Anyway, so I sort of... Um, and so he asked me what the drink is, having screwed it up twice the day before. So I said, it's a grande cappuccino, extra, extra dry, extra shot. Well, that gets confusing because sometimes I've had them going, extra, extra dry, extra hot. No, shot. OK, so we get that right. So 
He says to the girl, who was the one who ended up telling him off the other day, this is extra, extra... I said, she knows what it was. I said, you're the one who got it wrong twice. She knows how to do the drink. OK. He looked at me like he was just about ready to kill. So uh, perhaps we'll have to move him on. I hate it when people just... Honestly, I thought I was the customer. And I'm not a difficult customer. I'm one of the nicest people I know. I'm almost too nice. It's almost too embarrassing. I'm just, you know, somebody says, oh, what's Steve like? And they go, he's just too nice. You know, help. You know, I, I just said that. I just said that. You know, I will help little old ladies across the road, even if they don't want to go. You know, I will do that. I will, I will do Bobber jobs. I, you know, I, I, I was a Cub Scout. Dib, dib, dib. We will do our best. Our Kayla. I don't know why we had an arcade. I remember sitting most of my time on a mushroom or at a toadstool. One of the two. And, uh, and when, when we came back from Hong Kong, I wasn't in the Cubs anymore. There was no mention of why. Because I thought... Because I'd had badges for identifying leaves. And, uh, and also I could identify flags of all nations. And I could tie um, knots. I could do a half hitch. Can't now. Can't remember any of them. Uh, but it was the leaves I was particularly good at. That's, uh, my mum would hold up a leaf and go, what's that? And I'd go, Oak. And then she showed me a picture. You go, what's that? You go, Ash. And I knew all the different leads. And I got a badge in the Scouts, which at the time was quite painful. And, and perhaps I should try it in Starbucks. Yeah, but, but I, you know, I go in there every day. I spend a lot of money. How much do you think a cup of frothy milk is now? I mean, it's the best part of nearly two and a half, three quid for frothy milk. Frothy milk. It's so expensive. You know, the least you can get is somebody nice. But it's always the blokes who've got attitude. It's always the blokes who've got attitude. I wish they'd stop changing the bloody staff around as well. Why can't they just leave people there? It's not, you know, it's this whole idea that you go to certain places. I've been to places over the years for haircuts. Huh, I know, I know. And you go there and you get used to the hairdresser. Then you go in the next time and they're not there. And you go, where's, uh, where's so-and-so? And they go, oh, they, they left. And you go, because mm. I, don't, I don't want somebody else to cut my hair. You know, I like the people I like. And over the years... I've had quite a few of, uh, you know, sort of uh, everything, really, from sort of... Always women. Always women cut my hair. I think because they like a bit of a natter. You know, we have a little chat, and they go, oh, that's nice, Steve. He tells us nice stories and things like that. And they always ask the same thing. They say, so, you know, who have you spoken to this week? And I don't like telling people if there's other people in the salon, because, you know, because then they start eavesdropping on my conversation. And it sounds a bit bad. You go, oh, this week I spoke to Dustin Hoffman or what, you know, and you think it sounds, it even sounds naff to me. So I can't be bothered to tell people. It's like, you know, people sort of say, oh, what do you do for a living? And you go, oh, I'm in the media, you know, and just leave it at that. Because otherwise you have to go down, down the route. Uh, what do you do for a living? Well, I work on the radio. Oh, right. Which station do you work for? LBC. Oh, right. What's your name then? And you think, well, you're not going to know it, are you? It's quite simply not going to know it. So you go, oh, it's Steve Allen. And you say it in a hushed tone. It's like the other day. I, I was followed around Marks and Spencers. I was clutching my pants at the time. Because I'd been in there to buy four new pairs of pants. Because they, they, they do a particular pant in there that I quite like. And I've changed my pants over the years. You know, you go through the phase. When, you, when you're younger, you go for air techs. And then gradually sort of work up to a boxer short. Never got onto with boxer shorts at all. Silk or otherwise. I just thought they were completely unnecessary. So then you go for trunks, which are OK. And it does keep it all in the same place, which is quite handy. Generally round the back. And, um, and, then, and then I've gone back to pants again. You know, they call them high-waisted pants. To be honest with you, I'm convinced they might as well just put old men pants on there. They might as well just do that because it's, they're not trendy. You know, if I was in a swimming pool and getting changed, people would point and laugh. It's as bad as that. And so I got, I got followed around. I'm clutching my pants. You know, it's like when I used to have to use a laundrette years and years and years ago, people sit there and you're watching everybody else's washing. 
And then people start taking their pants out. Well, I used to take my pants out, shake them out and hold them up to the light. Because I knew that everybody was sitting there watching me. And I used to think, yeah, if you really want to look, these are my pants. Ta-da! That kind of thing. Now, you, you want to keep it really... It's, it's like buying a naughty magazine in the days when you could buy naughty magazines before the internet came along. You didn't need to ever buy a naughty magazine ever again um, because you had the internet. And you only got to type in all sorts of strange words and up comes all sorts of strange, bewildering things in a variety of positions as well. I tell you, my life took a turn. Small wonder I got a bad back. But anyway, so I was sort of wandering about Marks and Spencer and I got my pants and she goes, oh, back again. And I was going, and I immediately put my pants under my coat, which made me look like a shoplifter. But I didn't, I didn't, you don't want people to stand there going, oh, those are the sort of pants he wears. And, uh, and so I paid for them. And then, I, and then, of course, the woman on the couch, she couldn't care less, actually. I think pants just look like anything else. And I said, can I have a bag? 5p. And I've always got exactly 5p. I've always got the right money. And so I, I bought my pants, came home. And, and I'm, quite, I'm quite pleased with them, actually. But they're beginning to become a little bit like the socks. The socks get worn the once. And then we sort of, we re-gift them. And the pants, I'm beginning to go a little bit like that. Because I think you can only wear pants once. I mean, when I say once, I mean, you, you wear them once, but you don't wear the same pants two days running, do you? No, you always wear pants. You put a new pair on every day, which is interesting, isn't it? I wonder why we do that. Why do we do that? Hygiene. <laughs> Hygiene. <laughs> oh, well. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So the Mile High School teacher, people used to joke about the Mile High Club. This is where you have... Heck, you see, I used to think that the wardrobe was fairly high and precarious, but apparently aeroplanes... I have seen people do it on an aeroplane once, only the once. But uh, this is uh, one here, a teacher exposed by an educational panel as a member of the Mile High Club. Eleanor Wilson was snapped in uh, New York. She's now barred from teaching after romping with a lad during a flight home following a school trip to Switzerland. Uh, she was found to have had sex with the pupil who drank five mini bottles of wine in a toilet. Back home, she began a relationship. It came to light when a pupil allegedly tried to blackmail her into sex. She was dismissed, and uh, so then it goes on. Her brother, Jethro, claimed she'd been set up. Jethro said she didn't get sacked. She left because of all the hassle from younger students. Unfortunately, that's, uh, they didn't actually sort of do that. But anyway, she's currently in training with the Royal Navy. Uh, the Navy have said it would be inappropriate to comment. Can't win nowadays, can you? But it, it is forbidden, I'm, I'm told, to have relationships between teachers and pupils. You can't, you can't have a relationship. No matter what sort of relationship it is, you have a duty of care to the person. Even though both of them... Because teachers are getting younger and younger and younger. I mean, th- th- this one here is 28, but this, this goes back to um, 2015. So you're looking at two years ago. So, you know, the the pupil was, I think, about 16 or 17. But, uh, oh, what of the pupil? Oh, right. Oh, we don't know that. And just a lad. But he drunk five mini bottles of wine. It's so vile, that wine on planes anyway. Last thing you'd be thinking about is sort of, is to having, you know, extracurricular. You know, you'd be thinking more about throwing up, I think. I don't think you'd think about anything else. But, um... Um, Avon and Somerset police that last year they said a 28 year old woman voluntarily attended a police station and inquiries are ongoing and then the Navy have said I don't think that would, would that stop somebody going into the Navy I don't know uh, the one thing that would stop you uh, eating breakfast is having a really bizarre breakfast and I've said in the past I could eat a curry for breakfast with mashed potato quite easily mashed potato and then a curry pork. of course you can of course you can it's quite normal to do isn't it it's, it's, you know, we automatically think, don't we, breakfast is sausage, bacon, egg, 
toast, tomatoes, baked beans, hash browns, things like that. Whoever said you couldn't have a steak for breakfast? Why could you not have a steak for breakfast? Why could you not have curry for breakfast? Why could you not have curry sauce? But I don't think it make it... Well, why... Your stomach doesn't change from the morning to the evening. You've just woken up and you go, I just really fancy a curry, perhaps a little tikka masala or something like that, you know, with some, um, with some poppadoms, something like that. There's obviously certain things you wouldn't have for breakfast, aren't there? And that, but I remember once a friend of mine ate a, a whole box of after eight mints for breakfast, which I, I thought that was OK. I thought that was all right to eat something like that. And then people go, no, you can't eat something like that. It's like before you go to bed, you're not going to have egg, bacon, sausage, are you? Yeah, you see, you probably would. And yet you'll eat one of those vile kebab things, you know, before you go to bed or when you've had a few drinks. You've had a few drinks, you go, uh, you know, kebab. And you get you see them all lurching around in the kebab shops. I'm totally convinced the people who work in them must think that the, 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 the Brits are just a bunch of drunks. Or perhaps they're all diabetics trying to sort of get rid of their diabetes. Because it's, it's not beer, though. It's only wine. You, you can have a bit of wine, apparently. And that's good. Have you ever stopped on the motorway? You never buy petrol on the motorway. It's way too expensive. Way too expensive. I and mean, that's so prohibitive. But uh, you pay more for goods that you buy on the motorway. Bottles of water. One seventy-three in roadside stops compared to 48 pence on the high street because they go, well, you haven't got anything else to do, have you? And when you go into the, the shops on the motorway, I used to go to Heston because it was, it was going down the M4 and uh, I'd call it Heston and they sell a, just a bewildering array of sweets and fizzy drinks and newspapers and magazines and colouring books and pencils. And then there'll be a model of Big Ben. And then there'll be sort of, you know, little packets of sweets. You go to the garden centre now and they've got little packets of sweets which I think is the oddest thing ever. You go to my local garden centre, Squires, and they've got racks and racks of cakes and sweets, little packets. They've obviously been repackaged from something else. And it's ever so expensive, ever so expensive. Uh, Slug slime heals wounded people. Now, that doesn't surprise me in the slightest, because, you know, when you cut yourself, you would suck it, wouldn't you? You do that. I can't bear the taste of blood, actually. I, I used to bear to suck. Now I can't. I can't do that at all. So I don't, I don't bother. And uh, it can bleed for all eternity, as far as I'm concerned. You know, I put a plaster over it, but sometimes the blood is coming out at such a rate because I'm on blood thinners that, I mean, it's just... For, you've got to be so careful not to cut yourself. And sometimes I wake up in the morning and I think, have I cut myself in the night? Because you looked, and I'm sure there's... It was like a scene out of The Godfather. You know, you wake up and there's sort of half a badger's head in the bed and things like that. But I, I, sort of, I was sort of bleeding. And then I used to be good because I think that your saliva coagulates. And I think that means then it heals quicker. I think that's what they say. I'm sure it was the, it's the coagulation, isn't it? Is that, was that where it sort of starts drying out? But it's like, uh, what did I have once where I didn't... Oh, that's right, I was on some blood thinner some years ago. And I nicked myself while shaving because the shave had a little nick in the top of it. God, I thought it would never stop. I thought it would never stop. You know when you're sitting on, on, the, on the bus and you think, I bet I've got a spot on the back of my neck. And the people behind are just staring at it going, he's got a spot, back of his neck. Because you automatically look at the back of somebody's neck, don't you? I do. I constantly sit there going, that's a nice haircut. You know, or sort of something like... I've got to get my hair cut today, actually. Just a little trim for the weekend, you know. Something for the weekend, sir. Yes, a little trim. Because the hairdresser I've got at the moment... Because my hairdresser normally... Uh, her mother, sadly, has uh, has just died. So I've had to use another hairdresser. And she can cut my hair in two minutes. Two minutes. They always go in. They always ask you the number you want. And I don't do zero. I do one. And then I'd have thought... Because I've noticed a few white hairs... 
slightly disturbing. And uh, and I thought, now, do I shave them off or do I put a rinse through? And there's this stuff you can buy, which I think is called No More Grey or something like that. And I, don't, I think what you do is you comb it through and gradually, so it doesn't look like you've had a complete dye job, uh, it takes away the, the grey colour and you go back to what your normal colour would be. Well, my normal colour was sort of, um, sort of mousy, mousy brown, I think. Blonde, platinum when I was a child. When I was when I was a baby, it was platinum, and then it kind of darkened it because I quite like platinum. I thought it looked quite cute with platinum hair, so I used to have highlights. Which was a little bit girly, but anyway. So I used to have highlights and do things like that. And then I've noticed these white bits at the side, and I thought, I think I might try that no more grey. You know, just a bit, just to be vain. I was thinking of Botox, and I thought, no, I'd be too frightened to try anything like that. You know, or any sort of little facelift things. Because you only ever see disasters, don't you, with people's face. They go, oh, look, so-and-so's had cosmetic surgery. I mean, look at that poor creature, Jordan. I mean, God knows what does she look like. Every time she climbs into bed with little um, little Kieran Haler, he must wonder who she is. I mean, she doesn't look half as good as the two people he did knock off uh, some time ago, which, of course, upset the marriage a little bit. Uh, seven more hurt in the fairground horror. This is when a, a ride... Um, catapulted uh, these passengers into the air and then it fell apart and somebody was filming it somebody's filming it and they've got pictures of people falling through the air I mean as as luck would have it only I think uh, one person died I mean one person too many and that's the trouble isn't it you thought the Americans would be really really hot on this kind of thing but uh, to see these poor people that's what worries me when these rides go around and they're so fast some of them and we saw the other day at Alton Towers the ride that went along and then it went, and then it stopped, just as it was going to go to the the vertical drop, and your heart drops, your heart drops. I mean, it's it's really, really bursting for who is? Well, I'm going to make him wait now even longer. I'm going to go into my next story. <laughs> so no, we have to do the the news because Paul Paul's a very busy boy. Actually, he's been very busy this week because he's been flying about all over the place. He flew up to Glasgow, then he flew back from Glasgow, then he went somewhere else. And um, and soon he'll, he'll be flying to the little boy's room. <laughs> Not Wi-Fi have my way. So and so the I will tell you the story in a moment about the uh, the boozing, regular boozing, cutting the risk of diabetes. OK. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, every Friday. I did, I did write down, actually, earlier on that I did fancy on Twitter... Toasted ham and cheese. And immediately two people tweeted me back in this building going, yep, sounds like a good idea. Toasted ham and cheese. Unfortunately, I don't have any facility for making it. Uh, Steve in Willenhall says, toast and marmite is my breakfast. Dorothy says, steak and eggs is a breakfast I used to have in Australia. It's more popular there than bacon. Yeah, steak and eggs is popular. And I know that from the book uh, by Neville Shoot, A Town Called Alice, where uh, she goes in... Uh, down for breakfast and she goes I'll have they go oh there's only the one breakfast and that was steak and eggs and she said oh right can I just have the eggs and he went no it's steak and eggs it comes together and uh, they're all cooked the same way so you're quite right actually steak and eggs it is uh big chris says is it the haircut you're having or just a polish very bitter very bitter don't take the don't take the mickey out of people who don't have any, much hair i don't think it makes any difference actually hair does it really eventually no it doesn't Eventually, you know, I used to wake up in the morning, my hair would be my eyes and everything else, and, you know, sort of have to sort of brush it back and all the rest of it. Right pain, honestly. Uh, Wayne 
the Trolley Dolly in North London says, listening with my mate JP, the Trolley Dolly. First time we've listened to you together after a night out for ages. Been for dinner and a few drinks and only just got in. Dirty stop outs, honestly. Uh, and JP says, reunited with Wayne. We've uh, convened to listen to the best early breakfast show in the nation. He says, I think John Lewis are the best pants you can buy these days. If you, if you fly, do they have recommended pants? You know, if, if, if you're a footballer, you won't find anybody playing football wearing boxer shorts. They all wear pants. If you're a dancer in a West End show, they all wear white pants because they've got to go underneath costumes. So I'm assuming that's how it works. I don't know whether or not there is a, a uniform for sort of being up in the sky. Uh, Georgina says, many mothers will know how desperate these parents are feeling. Rationality has nothing to do with it. They're beside themselves with grief. They now need to be left alone. Well, I agree with you. Absolutely. The trouble is, they're the ones who instigated the court case. They're, they're the ones who, uh, who went to court to see if they could sort of get things changed. But they can't. That's the trouble. And to be honest with you, I think it's gone beyond grief. I think it's, it's now become surreal. You know, because this, this, this child... Um, should have died ages and ages ago, but the hospital kept him alive. You know, that's what they, they do. They're doing the best they can, but they've, they've now admitted, and that's when it all came to a head, that there's nothing that they can do. You can't take him to America because that won't, won't solve anything. It's, it's, I agree with you. It's terrible. But uh, the being left alone, they're, they're the ones talking to the press today. You know, they are talking to the press and they will talk to the press afterwards as well. I have no doubt of it. I suspect there'll probably be a, a full interview on the last moments of, uh, of, of Charlie Gard. I can see that, definitely. Um, poor little kid, says Niall, you're bang on as ever. I think that's it. You know, and Thomas says, good point. A bit of appreciation wouldn't hurt. And great Ormond, I thank you for all you do for the kids. I mean, that's, that's what they do. I think they always seem to think that they, they've done this deliberately. You know, when they said, oh, they've actually put obstacles in their way and Great Ormond Street said, no, we haven't. You know, it's the first time I should imagine they've ever been questioned about anything because they are the nearest thing, as parents will testify. It's the only hospital where, you know, you know, everything is for the child. They even have their own radio station called Radio Gosh, which the kids can take their radios in and you retune your radio. So you take your radio from home, you can retune it and you get the hospital radio. They were the first hospital radio station, as you know, to get an interview, an exclusive interview with Paul McCartney. Paul McCartney, I've been to Radio Gosh. I've been to Radio Gosh. I know the work that they do, and I know what the hospital does. And that's why I don't like to see anybody do it. They've done their very best. This is a child who is terminally ill. There's nothing they can do about it. But, you know, when, when you say that, um, you know, rationality has nothing to do with it, their interviews are very carefully thought out, and their statements are very carefully thought out. Very carefully. Uh, eight for it for... I'm sorry, I'm going to speak now. Eight for eight five oh, Steve and Elvis. Don't sit there brushing your hair in front of me. Just because I can't brush my hair. It's nothing worse is somebody with hair sits there and just... I'll just run my fingers through my luxuriant locks. Oh, look, we're now... And we do that as well. Actually, when I had sort of longer hair, when I left school, I grew my hair down to my shoulders. I must have looked like sort of somebody coming in on a Viking warship. And um, I didn't have a shield and a sword and all the rest of it. And also, I wasn't getting up at that time of the morning. And so what had happened was, I used to have the, the, um, the sunroof open on my car and the wind would blow my hair around. And I thought I looked, I thought it was a great look. It was like having dynasty hair. All of a sudden, my hair sort of volumised to about three. Because I used to have a bathroom full of product for hair. This is probably what made it fall out, I should imagine. Although I, I prefer to tell people it's a sign of virility. 
<laughs> it isn't. And uh, <laughs> not for years. And um, and so, well, from memory. And yes, what would I rather have? My hair or Trump's hair? I don't know. I know I've, I've seen people on the street who are wearing toupees. His is his, his is a comb, isn't it? Is it? That we're not too sure what it is. I mean, do you think if you threw a bucket of water over him, his hair would... I don't know. I mean, I'm, I'm only guessing because I, I look at it and it looks like it's, it's well lacquered. But there again, Steve Dixon from Sky News. He looked well lacquered when we saw him. Bless his heart. We love Steve Dixon. He's, uh, we hope he's back today. We've not seen him for ages. And he must, if, if he comes back, he's going to be the colour of, um, of a Mediterranean beach, I should imagine. Because he must, he must have gone somewhere hot. Although I'm not sure that tans look good on television. I don't think... Have you been on holiday? Have you been on holiday? Yeah. Anywhere exciting? Bridlington? Like that? Nice. Oh, Nice. Yes, that's on the uh, Côte d'Azur. And so a lot of people stay in... Because you go sort of Joanne Le Pen, Cannes, Nice. Nice is sort of the upmarket version. Cannes is full of people who look like leather sitting on the beach. And Joanne Le Pen is full of young people who stay in caravans. And uh, that's how it works, you know. And they always get drinks. That's the first place I ever saw a drink arriving in Joanne Le Pen with a sparkler in the top of it. And everybody go, oh, we want one of those. Like you're going to eat a sparkler, you know, and the food. That was the first place as well. We sat in Cannes. And we were right in front of the Carlton. We had an apartment in a side street. And we thought that you could put... It was, it was given to us by a lady who owns a printing shop in Nottingham. She'd have my apartment for a week and a half. So we went over there. And, of course, all the beaches in the south of France are all topless. They don't have a non... I think we can wipe the smile off your face. OK, we don't need that kind of potty talk. Thank you very much indeed. So it's all, it's all sort of topless beaches. So, of course, everybody spends most of their time staring at the sky, you know. Because you don't, you don't really want to stare because they think it's normal, but we don't think it's normal. If people walk topless around in here, you know, nobody'd care. Nobody'd care. Seriously, they wouldn't care. But in, in France, it's like that. And we had... What was that thing I had now? I had something over there I've never had before in my entire life. It's not asparagus... Not avocado. It's a round thing, and it's got lots of leaves all the way around it. Artichoke. Artichoke. Have you ever had artichoke? And it was, and, and I said, this thing arrived, and it comes with a dip, like a clarified butter. So you take the leaf out, you dip it in the butter, and you scrape the, the flesh off. And it was actually quite nice, but it cost like an arm and a leg. Anyway, going back to this thing. So we're at the beach every day, me and my friend, and uh, we, we go to the local boulangerie because we spoke a little bit, and uh, we used to get peaches. Peaches the size of footballs over there. They were huge. And we'd buy a baguette, and we'd just have that on the beach. Anyway, the, the first beach we went on to, the, no, 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 no. We weren't allowed to take any food on it. You had to buy their food. So that was out the window. And we would get back to the apartment in the afternoon when the sun was at its boiling, and we would take our swimming costumes off and hang them on the balcony to dry. Oh, my God. Monsieur, no. We weren't allowed to put our swimming costumes because it spoiled the look of the flat, so we had to sort of dry them in the bathroom. But the one thing I noticed over there was how quickly I got a tan, because it's only when you take your swimming trunks off that you've got this, this white light. And I, was, I went, blimey. I was quite impressed, actually. I thought I looked really good. I was a lot thinner as well. And, uh, and I was quite nice. But in the woman's bathroom there, who owned it, she, or, do you know what she had in the bathroom cabinet? Bottles and bottles and bottles of fake tan because anybody who lives in Cannes doesn't sit on the beach because you don't want the sun to age you so they put fake tan on and so she had bottles and bottles of sprays and mousses and lotions and everything else whereas we were sort of there I didn't put any sun cream on at all but we sat on the beach every day in the days when I could sit on a beach now I get bored out of my mind 
I couldn't sit on a beach. Somebody says to me, let's go on a beach holiday. No, thank you. They're always saying to me, why don't you go on holiday? My boss is always saying that. Why don't you go on holiday? And uh, I always go, I don't want to go on holiday. I said, every day's a holiday. But what would I do on holiday? Jump into a pool. Very dull. Very boring. With a lot of... Is that what Ian Dale's doing this week? What, jumping into a pool? Was he posting photos? Oh, dear. I'm not sure I want to see anything like that. Has he got him in his swimwear? Topless photos. Does he wear Speedos? I bet he's got Speedos. Shorts. I think shorts are so naff. I don't know why. It's just, it looks a bit like, it's all right when you're sort of young, a student in America, and you wear Hawaiian-type shorts. But you get sort of, you know, most blokes now wear them. Where if you go to Russia, they're all wearing Speedos. All Russian men wear Speedos. I don't know how fat you are. You cram your little bits and pieces into a, into a pair of Speedos. But I just get bored on a beach. I can't read a book because my eyes hurt. And, um, and I, just, I just don't do lying on a sun lounger. You know, because what do you do? You play around with the sand, don't you? You sort of make a little phallic shape. Right? And then you do to a little castle and stuff like that. It's just boring holidays. And then you go, oh, we're going on a coach trip. And you go, oh, God, are we really? I can't think of anything less exciting than going on holiday. I can't think of any holiday that would excite me to the point of I can't wait to do it. Because it takes me as long to get to the airport as it does to fly to anywhere. America's like nine hours away. Uh, where do we go once? I think Vegas is a bit more than that. Vegas is a bit more. Uh, probably 13 in total. But, I mean, I quite like Vegas, but these friends of mine came back. And uh, Danny and Jordan, Jordan said to me yesterday, he said, it's so expensive. So expensive. I said, well, you know, it's it's now become party town, hasn't it? It's for all the people who want to go there and have a, have a great time and uh, go see a show. Because that's what you need to do. You need to go to Vegas to go see a Vegas show. If you go and see a big show, and they've got all the big artists over there. It is the only place where you can go and see, you know, big artists every night of the week. And they've now got all the other shows. They've got strip shows. And, again, inappropriate. Uh, They've got the strip shows over there. They've got the drag shows. There's loads of drag shows. Drag's very popular. Loads of magic shows. No Secret and Roy, of course. But uh, you've got magic shows as well. And the best bit is Fremont Street, which is the old bit of Vegas. That's the best bit ever. Because it's all covered over. And it's a giant screen which runs the whole length of the street and they play disco music and you can buy booze quite cheaply there. They just sort of pour loads of booze into a glass and you dance a lot. That's cool. It's really cool. You don't have to gamble, but they will uh, they will encourage you to gamble because there's fruit machines everywhere. From the moment you get off the aeroplane, fruit machines. It's adult Disney. And they went up the stratosphere where they've got a ride at the top that shoots you up into the air which is a bit like going on the one which they have at Winter Wonderland here, which you go up, 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 up to this tower, and then you sit there, and then it drops you. And it's like when half your stomach is left up at the top of this thing, but they do it in reverse at the stratosphere. It's really good stuff, actually. If you're going off on holiday today, have a nice time. You have remembered to pack suntan lotion. Why do people go on holiday and you buy suntan lotion and you never get through it all? Do you? You never get through it all. You've never managed to get to the end of a holiday and you've covered yourself in ombre solaire, every little nook and cranny. And then you, you get to the end of it, you think, I'm not going to take it home. So you leave it there. So all the poor chambermaids, you know, whilst they're looking for tips, what do they get? A quarter of a bottle of ombre solaire, you know, and they live there. Can't be very exciting for them, can it? I always leave all my change in, in the drawers. So they can, because all the little silly coins, what are you going to do with those? And then you get on the aeroplane, they go, we'll be coming now, our chosen charity is, if you've got any loose coinage, would you like to donate it? I think, no, I've left it to the chambermaid, who just gets loose change and a quarter of a bottle of ombre solaire. Although I did pour a bottle of vodka down the toilet once, because the weather was so atrocious, I was so ill, I was, I was being made ill looking at the bottle of vodka. 
And I just generally don't get ill looking at uh, bottles of vodka. I'll tell you the risk of uh, boozing. Oh, sorry, not the risk of boozing. The regular boozing, which now cuts the risk of diabetes. I mean, this is this is like Christmas in July. Who would have thought? Seriously, you could cheer somebody's life up to the point of, you know, depressed. No, no. Now you can drink boozing. Regular boozing cuts the risk of diabetes. Small wonder I'm still living. Small wonder I'm still living. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have your company, to have your company. Nice. 84850 oh, steve at uk. We take all your texts and emails between now and uh, 7 o'clock this morning. We're, we're nowhere nearer uh, discovering. The judge yesterday on the, on, the, on the subject of Charlie Gard has said that he does not want uh, and will not allow the name of the hospice to be released anywhere. And I think if anybody releases the name of the hospice that Charlie might actually end up in... Um, I think they're going to be in serious trouble because that would just be unfair, wouldn't it, really? Uh, Neil says, Lorraine and I are VIP guests uh, at Hatfield House for the game fair, courtesy of Justin Urquhart Stewart's company, Seven Investment Management. Oh, lovely. After a nice breakfast, a morning's clay shooting and a lovely afternoon tea. He says, hope the weather behaves. Oh, I hope so, too. I hope so, too. I like the idea, actually, of a, of a, of a game fair. I think. And this one here. Um, uh, don't, don't, don't. Who is this sent to? Oh, is this to me? Oh, there's the extra line. <laughs> right. Oh, that's sweet. Unfortunately, not this weekend. But you must send me pictures of it. Uh, my friend Jordan sent me something. Hopefully, sort of some picture of sort of somebody on, um, <laughs> on, a, on a ride in, um, in Las Vegas. Oh, it is them on the ride in, in Vegas. Wait a minute. How many people went over to Vegas? Who was going? I don't know who was going over. I wouldn't have gone on this thing. Not that shoots you up at night over Vegas. I don't know who that person is you're with, Jordan. No idea. Oh, listen, Neil and uh, Lorraine, have a lovely, lovely time. I'm sure you will. Uh, Attitude, Steve. Yesterday took two huge bags to a charity shop. Woman who looked like the manageress with a face like a smack bottom said, put the bags over there. Walked out, went to another charity shop. So she lost 25 quids worth of quality. You know why? Because they get so much stuff. They get so, so much stuff given to them. that they. I remember I took loads of stuff in one time. It was a serious amount of shirts. All on hangers, all pressed, all everything. And they were all branded, everything. Really nice thing. Just over there. And you think, you're really not grateful enough, are you? You're really not grateful enough. It's a new big thing, though, isn't it, charity shops? I don't want to give any more of my shirts away locally. I don't want to be walking down the high street and see somebody walking towards me wearing my shirt. That would be a bit scary, you know, if I'd sort of... Uh, this is only a cheap old thing today, as you can tell. And, um, but it's, it's my sort of version. I've just gone for sort of coloured shirts. I put a yellow one on the other day, which I was going to use for the photo shoot. Do you remember? For the, uh, for the Radio Times thing. And I get there and they go, no yellow shirts. You think, oh, God, I spent ages trying to find this blooming thing. Uh, Steve, currently on the first tee at Maylanders Golf Club, about to embark on four rounds of golf, says Moz. In name of Macmillan Cancer... Trust. We should finish around 8.30 tonight. Crikey. That sounds good, doesn't it? And uh, Craig says, breakfast. Hot pork pie straight out of the oven. No jelly heaven. It's artisan, you know. Not sure about a pork pie for breakfast. I'll tell you what I do do with pork pies. I, I do cut them up and I dip them in salad cream. I know. Is that... Is that why is that so... I See, I think that's absolutely delicious. Oh, you don't like pork pies generally? Well, I mean, generally speaking, see, I'm, I'm, I like sausage rolls, but what I really want is a sausage in a flaky pastry thing. 
No, it's not hot dog. No, I really want a sausage in a in a roll as opposed to sausage meat for a sausage roll. I want a sausage. They used to do one at pret a I told you, which was um, flaky pastry with a frankfurter and then drizzled with cheese. God, it was delicious. Then they stopped making it. I was, I can't have been anyone buying the blooming thing. But, you know, pork pie, I promise you, dipped in salad cream. Or even better, dipped in Thousand Island dressing. That's particularly good. No, just me again. I've obviously got peculiar... T- what if it's anything to do with the fact I was dropped on my head as a child by my mother? Do you think that's got something to do with it, that you sort of think, perhaps I shouldn't eat all those sort of things? Because when we grew up, we ate all sorts of peculiar things. But uh, uh, Thousand Island dressing, I'd I'd walk a million miles for that. I love it. I absolutely adore it. And Hellman's Real Mayonnaise. Oh, I put that with everything. That goes with chicken, with chips, with steak. You name it, it goes with it. But I'm not sure about a hot pork pie straight out of the oven. And no jelly. I don't don't like the jelly stuff either. Anything that's a bit glutinous, I'm not really into. Banana and Marmite sandwiches, says Glennis. I've heard of banana and Marmite. Before, it's supposed to go quite well, isn't it? Banana and Marmite. You just sort of... Is that you slice up... The, I suppose you, oh, I know what you do. You obviously Marmite, then you slice up the banana. All right. You see, I think banana's all right on cereal. You know, if you're having sugar puffs or something. Or not sugar puffs, you'd have something like, I don't know, shredded wheat and bananas or something like that. Just me again. Cheese and jam. Yeah, but you're sad, aren't you? What's the matter with you? I mean, you're not normal. That's why you put all that weight. Cheese and jam... Cheese and jam? What sort of cheese? Grated cheese or just slices of cheese? Just melted cheddar with jam. What, on the bread first, then the cheese on the top? Oh, God. you put uh, the jam on top of melted cheese. You are sick. Have you heard of that one? Cheese and jam. Melt the cheese and then put jam on the top of it. Be off with you, peasant. Never heard of such a thing. Cheese and jam. What did uh, Elvis Presley used to have? He used to have, oh, he used to have peanut butter and jelly. But jelly is what they call jam. So he used to have that. And fried. It was fried. So they'd do it and then they would fry it. I'm not surprised he was that size. It doesn't sound very nice, does it? I'm not sure about that one. That one makes me feel a little bit, uh, a little bit queasy. But everybody's got different things that they like. And I think it goes back to early morning. But I've seen nothing the matter with a chicken tikka masala on top of mashed potato with loads of butter to make it all creamy. Or failing that, making my mouth water now, uh, to have mashed potato, grated cheese and little tiny sausages. Little tiny sort of those little cocktail sausages. That's quite nice. And the baked beans all melt. Oh, that's delicious. But curry, I could eat curry now. We had a curry one morning at about five o'clock. A friend of mine had been over the road and he he bought a curry and uh, then brought it back and we heated it up. God, it was First thing in the morning, a curry. I think because it's it's an indulgent. It's something that you wouldn't normally have, and that's why I, that's why I quite like it. Something that's a bit away from the ordinary, you know. And I I still like, I still like fried bread, but I haven't had it for ages, apart from one in Squires. But it was they 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 cooked it, and if you leave it just to keep it warm, it just dries out, and it it goes brittle. It's supposed to be slightly soft. It's inferior. It's not inferior toast at all. You don't need to talk like that. Talk like that. I've got a four-slice toaster. I think that's... I've, I've got... I know. I think that's quite indulgent to have four... Because, you know, because you want to put four slices of bread in. I have, yeah. I have. I have eaten four slices of toast. 
I do become quite ill on toast and butter, but I, uh, I, I quite like it. Okay, I've told you before, I buy a loaf of bread, I see it and I think, Warburton's, great. And so I take it home and I put four, four slices in the toaster, then I get the butter out. I, I don't do the rock hard butter, I do the one that sort of spreads from the fridge. Lurpak, other butters are available. And, uh, and spread that out there and that, that, that's quite nice. Uh, and then at the end of it, I feel so guilty, I throw the rest of the loaf away. And don't say feed the pigeons, please. I'm not interested. Have you watched Love Your Garden? It's the garden version of DIY SOS. Oh, that sounds quite nice. I, I, I could go for that. I could go for that. Uh, the boozing story is in all the papers today. They say having a drink three or four times a week reduces the risk of diabetes. Ah. Men were 23% less likely to develop type 2 if they had... A regular alcoholic drink, and women lowered the risk by 32% compared to those who drank less than once a week. Wine had the best results, followed by beer and spirits. They did a study in uh, Denmark of 70,000 people, and uh, also the um, uh, the something called polyphenols in wine, especially reds, may help manage blood sugar. That's a good idea, isn't it? Quite like the idea, but I think this is only to stop you getting diabetes. If you've already got diabetes, I think you're a bit screwed anyway, so you don't have uh, don't have much of a chance of sort of it taking away the diabetes. But it it, it goes it goes quite well, doesn't it? I, w- I was given renewed hope on that one. I thought that actually sounds quite good. I wish I could. There's two things you wish. Actually, there's three, but I can't tell you about the third one. There's so you automatically want to lose weight. You know, if you're prone to putting on weight, that's always a bit of a difficult thing. You know, because once if, if somebody hasn't seen you for a while. And then they go, oh, you look as though you put on weight. Your immediate reaction is to become defensive and to say, you know, well, I don't think I have put on weight. And, of course, I then argue the toss and go, well, I'm afraid you have. You know, it's not your fault. But I notice these things. And I'm not being cruel. I'm just being honest. There's a lot of complaints. Oh, I can imagine. I can, I can always say, I don't even need to look. I can tell moany face. I can tell moany face. Oh, all this kind of thing, you know. Because people just don't want to hear the truth nowadays. And my mother said, you know, if if you want to say something about somebody and you don't want to do it to their face, pop it on a postcard. Pop it on a postcard. Because that way, then at least they better read it every day and go, you are fat, you know, and uh, just accept it. Look in the mirror. The mirror does not lie. Go to the fun fair. Go to the thin mirror. You'll still look fat. It's not your fault. That's the way life is. You know, life can be cruel. If you stand in front of the mirror in the bathroom naked and you pinch an inch at the side of your body, uh, well, then you're overweight. If you can pinch more than an inch, that's the that's the fat test, apparently. I mean, I've got a handful. I've got a handful, you know, and I'm 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 sort of proud. I paid for it. Might as well enjoy every little bit of it that's there at the moment. Uh, wag bag swag. John Terry loses a fortune. He goes on holiday, posts a picture of him and the uh, the missus uh, on holiday, and while they're away, the burglars go in and pinch. My God, loads and loads of stuff. Uh, Vicky Patterson says loose women made me feel daft. No, dear. It made you look even more stupid because you couldn't keep up with average conversations. There's nothing that's out of the ordinary at all on Loose Women, believe you me. Uh, bizarre requests at guest houses, including Weetabix, topped with Marmite. I've had it with butter, it's lovely. It's very drying, though, Weetabix. Not, uh, it is Weetabix. If you put a Weetabix in your mouth, it's like eating coconut matting. It's a bit sort of... Got to plough your way through it, but it's OK. Uh, also, the uh, the Grenfell bosses who face the manslaughter quiz. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Friday, 28th of July. A few days left till the end of the month and still the, the bad weather looms on the horizon. 
Certainly bad things are happening. The Grenfell bosses facing now the manslaughter quiz. They don't think anybody will actually be prosecuted. There won't be any sort of one name that's thrown out there. But they uh, have been given the go-ahead. They have to have some sort of answer. And I would hate to think that this all just disappeared, uh, which I don't think it will. Also, the uh, horror on the fireball as the fair ride in America just breaks up and tosses people out. Drinking wine can fight diabetes. Unfortunately, having read into the story, it's not quite as exciting for me as I thought it was. I thought they were basically giving me carte blanche to have a, have a bottle of wine of a Friday evening, uh, and, and that would be OK for your diabetes. No, it's to prevent you getting diabetes. The one thing you don't want is diabetes. Although, to be quite honest with you, and I know it sounds ludicrous, because there's probably people who are diabetic listening as well, that it was the best day of my life when I was diagnosed. Best day of my life. I thought it was fantastic. At least I knew what it was. Thank God for that. I've also realised that it's exactly a year since I had my eyes tested for my glasses. And having been back in and uh, discovered I've got uh, retin- uh, retinopathy, uh, which is OK. You can sort of you can cope with that. But it's made worse by diabetes. So the more your sugar levels jump up, the worse your eyesight gets. It's a bit bizarre, isn't it? So never, never take sweets on a long journey or anything like that, because you, you'll have a disaster, I'm afraid. Uh, the teacher had sex on the plane with a pupil who is now going to be going into the Navy, and her brothers jumped in and said it was a bit of a witch hunt and people were sort of making a scapegoat of her. I have no doubt in my mind the school, incidentally, suspended her and then actually got, got rid of her. So that's why she's going into the Navy. Um, you know, I do realise that pupils have been known to exaggerate certain situations. And in fact, for sort of a lot of... Uh, male teachers, it can be quite difficult to be stuck in rooms with pupils who then make things up about them. But this one, um, I don't know where we're going with it. I really don't know where we're going with it. But uh, we will take your texts and emails, 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. 10 hours and 15, says Steve, in Montpellier. Uh, He says, I think you must be going by steam-powered aircraft. No, the reason it was 13 hours from Heathrow is because we uh, we did stopover. We went to New York first, then we went New York on to Vegas, and that's why. Uh, 10 hours and 15 to 20 minutes. Try Air France, plus the wine is good, and all the in-flight refreshments are free. You see, I don't care about that on a plane. Some people go for the go go for the free peanuts on planes. I've never bothered about it. The best thing I ever got was on Virgin when they did give us a toasted ham and cheese sandwich and you did get woken up with a with a little ice cream. Which can you need if you're on a plane, you kind of dehydrate yourself, don't you really? Uh, boiled egg cut in half with English mustard, says Kevin the lorry driver, not the milkman. All very keen on that one as well. Yeah, English mustard, no. No. My dad used to eat English mustard. The only one in our household who did. We had a little salt cellar which we put mustard in. You had to mix it up. It was Coleman's. And it was that yellow powder which you mix with a little bit of water. And, uh, and I never did that. I did French mustard because it was milder. I liked that a lot more. But not the English mustard. Oh, that, was, that was way too, uh, way too, um, too much for me. Stilton and Cox apple sandwich is delicious, says uh, Philip. In Bournemouth, Stilton and a cock. Does it, has it got to be a cock? I've got a discovery this morning. Little Because it looks like an apple. It looks like an old English apple. And they're quite, they're quite nice. They're quite sort of crunchy. I, like a, I don't like a soft apple. I like a, I like a crunchy apple, which is quite good. Uh, Greg's Steak Bakes, a flaky pastry filled with gorgeous steak and rich gravy, says Marilyn. <laughs> I did go to Greg's yesterday, actually. And I did buy two sausage rolls. And I ate them on my way from Richmond uh, town centre to the station and <laughs> felt thoroughly guilty when I got there. Little Julie says, Steve, talking of clay shooting, Dave and I took out two friends to a shoot 
last weekend. I normally just watch and keep score. Anyway, last Saturday, I went to one of the open days at the big cat sanctuary in Kent, only to win the... Oh, I've lost your thing now. Only to win the uh, the raffle. And... Wait a minute, sorry. The machine jumped about all over the place. And you hand-fed a tiger. Is this where I've been? Is this the the cat... I can't it's called now. So it's the place that I did on the programme ages ago where this bloke breeds snow leopards. And, in fact, it's the Cats Protect... Oh, I can't remember what it's called now. It's... I think it's in Kent. If you go onto YouTube, there's Steve Allen with a snow leopard holding it because they, he's very successful down there. Cat Survival Trust. Is that where you went, Julie? Because that is the most amazing place. We went down there. I'd heard about it. Uh, from people at London Zoo and a friend of mine. He said, let's go down. We went down there. Well, after we'd been down and we talked about it on the programme, they were inundated, inundated. Is that the picture of the the snow leopards? <laughs> it, didn't, it didn't live, I'm afraid. I have to tell you that the sad thing is that Oreo passed away. But uh, it was like holding a giant cotton ball. It was seriously, it's all fluff. It was all fluff. Yeah, it, it, it passed away at the end. But it was so gorgeous. For that brief moment, it met me. And uh, and it was lovely. But it, it, it seriously is like a giant powder puff that you're holding. And you see them on the television, you think, and they, snow leopards are so rare. This bloke is so successful at breeding snow leopards. Google, Google Steve Allen's snow leopard and you, you'll, you'll find it. It's so gorgeous, seriously. It is. I can remember going to London Zoo and they gave me something else to hold there. What did they give me to hold there? I've had meerkats ferreting around in my pockets before now. And then I held something else. I can't remember what that was. I've been in with the anteaters. I always wanted to cuddle a leopard or a tiger, but I'm a bit scared of things like that. I don't like anything that looks remotely dangerous. I have to kind of put on the on the back burner for the uh, for the time being. But the, the Cat Survival Trust is, is an amazing place, absolutely amazing. I'm still working at Stilton. See, I don't do Stilton cheese. Is that the one that's got sort of strange bits in it or veins? I don't, I, I'm I'm a bit dull when it comes to cheese. I wish I wasn't. I wish I wasn't. But uh, you know. That's, that's because we never did cheese as a, as a youngster. We come from a cheese sort of family. Uh, Scarlett Moffat in the Daily Star front page. She's very worried. She fears her ex-boyfriend will spill all her sex secrets on television's new Love Island style show. Well, it's his only claim to fame, isn't it? Well, there you go. Shouldn't have slept with him in the first place. You know, if you, if you don't want, you know, you should, should be old enough and ugly enough to sort out who can do you harm in this life. And if you've got a remote bit of publicity about you and PR and stuff like that, then somebody's going to sell you down the river. OK, this is your hard learning, hard learning lesson, Scarlett. It's your hard learning lesson. Never trust anybody unless they've got as much to lose as you have. OK, that's that's what it comes down to. And that advice came from a very famous person from me, Sue Pollard. She said, never trust anybody unless they've got as much to lose as you have. You know, because people will tell you anything. You fell for it. And now, because he's got a little bit of fame because he went out with you, more fool you, he's going on Love Island, this uh, Channel 5 version, and you think he's going to be talking about your sex life. I mean, you know, un- unless you sort of do it differently, perhaps you do a handstand or something, I've got no idea. I'm assuming most people do it kind of the same way. So unless you're particularly kinky and want to dress up in clown's makeup or something like that. You know, I wouldn't worry about it. You're not of importance enough to, for people to worry about that, apart from the, uh, the Daily Star. Uh, the front page of the, uh, the Sun today is the gang who stole luxury goods from John Terry's mansion, including handbags worth 126000 220000 worth of posh jewellery. Earth, you're doing with posh jewellery, John. Not your sort of thing at all, is it, really? And your, uh, and your wife. Uh, £18,000 worth of Harry Potter's. 
they're funny, all the things he's sort of got. Anyway, he goes on television and he tells people that he's on holiday. And so somebody goes, obviously the house is empty. So they go and rob it. It's as simple as that. And uh, the gang saw him. And, um, and that's it. And they've got pictures in the, in the papers today. They've never recovered anything. They've never recovered anything. But I always think, if you, it's like wearing a Rolex watch. If you go out there and you go, I'm really rich, I'm going to buy a Rolex watch, and it's worth 20000 30000 50000 I mean, there are more expensive watches, as you can well imagine, in the world. And you wear it out, you know, on the town, and somebody sees it, they're going to take it. You know, don't go out. You know, nobody's ever touched me, you know, because I've got a nice watch. But, I mean, it's not obviously flashy enough for anybody else. But, you know, if you go out wearing a £20,000 watch, you kind of only got yourself to blame, haven't you? Because in this day and age, people see something and they want it. It's a case of you've got it, I want it. Uh, also, um, 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 poison in cherries. This is a man who nearly died after eating cherry stones, not realising they contained the poison cyanide. He became hot and drowsy, got a headache after chewing a handful. Apparently, uh, they got an antidote and he made a full recovery. But uh, he says, you, you're told not to eat them, but people don't know. It's because cyanide is in them. So don't eat cherry stones. Who eats cherry stones? Why would you want to eat cherry stones? I mean, sometimes, you know, it's like eating grape pips, isn't it? Sometimes you eat the grape and you then you swallow the pips automatically. We used to be told years ago, be very careful, you have a tree growing out of your mouth. Or something like that. The thing will sort of, you know, it's like earwigs. If an earwig's in your bedroom at night and it crawls into your ear, it'll, it'll make a nest and then have loads of other earwigs. Again, just another apocryphal story. Uh, more on uh, Charlie. In fact, it goes way down. It doesn't even make uh, page 10 in The Sun this morning. Uh, the mum's grief at the life support cut ruling. Because I suppose there is a limit as to how long you keep Charlie Gard alive for. What quality of life has he got? Nothing. There is no quality of life. And so uh, that's why it's, uh, it's, it's not in his interest to be kept alive any longer. His mum uh, accused Gosh of ruining her last moments with her child. They haven't ruined that at all. They haven't ruined that. They've, they've basically said that there is, no, there, there, there is nothing for him. There is nothing for him at all. He is, um, he's a child who is, who's dying. You know, and the moment he comes off the machine, he will die. So they're not ruining the end for him. They're taking away any suffering that he's got. That's what they're doing. Don't understand why, you know, they don't understand that. It's been explained to them time and time again. And then, you know, a couple of you this morning have said, you know, why don't they sort of just leave them alone? Well, because they're the ones who go to the newspapers and do the stories. And they're the ones who um, who instigated the court case. And I'm quite sure, gosh wouldn't have wanted to go into court, you know, at all. They don't like that kind of thing. It's not their, that's not what they're in the business of. Not in the business of at all. Uh, the Essex male model muscled in on the, uh, on the girls' rich list. They were looking at how much um, models earn nowadays. And few male models make anything like the money that David Gandhi makes. He's known because he's been out with Molly King. He's not known for anything else apart from, they go, he's a male model and he makes £4 million a year. He's uh, built his own brand. Um, and he is the look that people want to achieve. And um, it's great, you know, if that's what you like. He's been out with Molly King. He got uh, loads of coverage there. He went out with Laura Whitmore, but there again, Laura Whitmore is one of those sort of people who's desperate to be known for something. Uh, she's dated quite a few uh, other people. She was also linked, uh, you remember, to Leonardo DiCaprio. But as I say, nobody believes that because everybody's linked to Leonardo DiCaprio. The Amazon boss who gets to top the world's rich list. Peaked at 
billion pounds. Do you think you phone up the bank and go, so can you just give me the balance on the account one seven six four nine three three two? So six. So hang on a sec. Let me write it down. Sixty nine point five billion. Thank you. Speak to you later. Bye. Then you phone up the next day. Hello. The only chance you can tell me how much is on the account? Sixty nine. The trouble is, you can't take it with you. If he's run over by a bus tomorrow, you know, nothing. And he still gets free Amazon Prime. And he's got sixty nine point five billion. I'm missing one of my balls at the moment. I um I ordered two on Amazon. Glass balls, 100mm, which I've realised is not the right size. And uh, one of them's arrived, the other one hasn't arrived. So somebody somewhere's got my ball, and I shall want it back at some point. I was, I'm putting them in a fountain. I've got a fountain which shoots a jet of water up the middle, and the jet of water turns. I've got a big ball, and it turns the um, the ball. It's very Japanese. It is. It's very zen, isn't it? You've got one at home. I nearly bought another one the other day. I quite like the idea of a watering can where the water pours out into a bucket and then it all recycles. There's something about running water that sort of makes me feel quite sort of nostalgic. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. So I'm still trying to get to grips with £69.5 billion and thinking, you know, this this man here, Jeff Bezos, um, he's, I mean, he's, he's truly rich. Although, strangely enough, Bill Gates... It's £68.9 billion, but he does loads and loads of charity stuff now. And that's what you do. If you had that much money, you would definitely be doing charity. You'd be doing all... You could solve all sorts of things, couldn't you? You know, if somebody said, oh, you know, we need a hospital here, you can go and build a hospital. You know, if somebody said, we need this, we need... You could go and do that for them. With that much money and with the interest coming in, you could really, really do well. You could really, really do well. You could, you could be a fantastic benefactor. See ya. Everybody's just leaving, are they now? Like, ship, rats. OK. And, uh, uh Oh, right. Oh. Sorry, I'll just sit here and talk to myself. Don't worry. I'm not insecure in any way, shape or form. <laughs> but it's, it's sort of... It's interesting, isn't it, when you do get, you know, somebody who's got that much money and they do... They can do so much with it. And I think that's fantastic. Everybody does their own little bit, don't they? You know, you either give to, uh, to a particular charity who support cancer or who support... You know, riding for the disabled. It can be anything, really. Great Ormond Street Hospital. People, I'm sure, have been giving them money and writing in and just reaffirming the fact that we love them. We love them to pieces. Just because there is one family who's going through a particularly difficult period, that doesn't mean to say that uh, we're all against them. Far from it. Far from it. 84850steve at lbc.co.uk. Peter says that Leicester Square is our little Vegas, which is true, actually. It probably is. It's okay. It's not as exciting. It's not as exciting, but it doesn't matter, does it, really? Because I always think that, that uh, sort of Vegas is big and, and brash and it's, and it's fun, but at a price. You could do it. But now they've started letting all the, the young people go there, the students, and they have pool parties and squirt champagne in the air. And it's all it's just full of drunks, whereas I liked it better before when it was classed as adult Disney. That was sort of nice. You could wander about. But you tend to forget there's, there's so much walking in between things. So much walking. But, you know, people people like it. Because we don't have anything else, do we? We don't have anything else like that at all. Uh, there's uh, somebody here. Uh, it's It was a story that appeared in the paper the other day about sugar, which could be making millions of British men anxious and depressed. Now, sugar, as far as I know, is in everything. I bought some... I did it the other day. I bought some fruit uh, from M&S. And I've got grapes. And I've got blackberries. And I've got... Strawberries. Oh, and some raspberries as well in there. And I tend to forget 
There's tons of sugar in this. Tons of sugar. So, in fact, all the stuff that I'm not supposed to have is in something as innocent as a bowl of fruit. So I might well uh, really have had sort of a bowl of cereal. But that's equally bad for me. So I can't win, actually. I'm, I'm really to, at a loose end when it comes to what can diabetics um, eat. And the answer is, well, you know, everybody's different. Everybody's different. We all eat different things. Sometimes things have, uh, have a different uh, effect on you. Uh, the one thing I can't eat anymore, it's funny, we were talking about it earlier on, is curries. I can't eat curry. The sauce drives me mental. Absolutely. It's just, I just go completely round the bend. It's, it's the only thing that affects me very, very quickly. I remember sitting in an Indian restaurant once. What? What's the matter? I did want it for breakfast. Listen, I want it, but I can't have it. There's a difference between, you know, wanting something but not being able to have it. I mean, there's loads of things that I want but I can't have because, because they affect me quite quickly. So, you know, much as I want curry for breakfast, I can't have curry for breakfast. Other stories. So, so the, the jump has been dumped. They've had too many injuries and it's just not interesting. They can't find enough celebrities to go on it. Uh, also, Star Trek. Fans of Star Trek, they're going to have their first ever transgender character. They make such a big deal about it. Perhaps they can get him or her, depending on which, which transgendering side we're doing, from the, uh, from the American army. That'll be easier, won't it? Two teens held over the French holiday fires. That didn't take them too long, did it? Most things, they drag their heels over there. And uh, the missing cat reunited with its owner after four years. Plus the very odd story of a woman who was buried back to front. In other words, they, they've got the... Um, she's with her husband in the same grave and they want them both the same way. And they've buried the, the wrong way, so they're going to have to exhume her and then turn the, the coffin around. I don't know how long she's been in there, but, I mean, that's it's quite, a, quite an achievement, isn't it? I know if you're, if you're Muslim, you have to be buried so that you're... Is it your head facing Mecca? I wouldn't even know where Mecca was. How do you know that? Do you get a map reading or something and they go, it's, it's this way? Or does somebody go down there? Presumably somebody will actually have a rough idea, won't they? But this, uh, this, this woman wasn't Muslim. She's just back to front with her husband, so they've got, to, they've got to do it properly. How people know that, I've got no idea. How would you know? You know, when you watch... I've only ever been to two funerals, I think, in my life. Loads of cremations. Loads... Isn't it funny? Favoured thing is cremation. I don't know why people want to be buried. I'm, I'm not, uh, not a big fan of that at all. Um, so William's flying off into the sunset, like Budgie the helicopter, as he goes out there and he said, oh, I've seen things that you shouldn't have to see, but that's, that's what you do the job for. I don't know why you would express surprise. If you're flying an air ambulance, I'm assuming you'll be seeing all sorts of dreadful things. Uh, the, um, the story about the... Uh, uh, which one was it? Oh, yes, dog shows. Did you read this one in the paper earlier on? Dog shows, which could be deadly for Alsatians, for some reason. And I was reading a thing the other day. There is a home, and I appear to be on their, their Twitter feed, for uh, retired police dogs. And they rehome them if they can. If not, they let them spend their, their days, having worked all their lives. They've, uh, they've allowed them to spend their day. I mean, it's a, it's a very nice thing. And they had a thing the other day of one of their police dogs died. And I remember thinking, oh, it's a bit sad. It's almost like the uh, the home for for donkeys, which is uh, which is a really nice place. And they've got you know fields with sort of donkeys in who've had hard lives, mainly abroad, I'm afraid. And then they they bring them back here. Uh, Dennis in Bainbridge says home cooked roast beef and pickled beetroot sandwich. Oh, pickled beetroot, love pickled beetroot. He says, have you ever bought packs of sliced beef? Only find it tastes utterly vile. Salty, watery and slimy. <laughs> I got a pack 
from placing witness in Cheshire, their own label. And it was beautiful. So much so I went back for more. The Florida salad is very good. Best of the big supermarkets by a long shot. As you say, other supermarkets are available. They're just not as good. But that's like drinking, isn't it? Tomato soup. It's got to be Heinz tomato soup for me because I've grown up with the taste of it. There's loads of other brilliant ones out there, but nothing tastes like Heinz. It's like Heinz salad cream. In fact, I think most of it tastes like Heinz. A bird's eye. Beef burgers with a little bit of onion are quite nice. A bit of a student kind of thing, I realise. You know, let's buy some beef burgers and uh, we'll cook them with chips, you know, and then down and... Students drink, don't they? I've suddenly realised, actually, students drink a lot. I wonder why. Because I thought drinking made you forget. And if you're a student, presumably... But it's all these... A friend of mine went off to uni and uh, within about three weeks, he'd, he'd met a girl there. They'd moved in together. Moved in, honestly, barely knew her. Barely knew her. And they move in together. It's sort of... He's obviously one of these people who's sort of fairly good at relationships. Because that's what it is. You go to the student bar. Uh, there'll always be the sad one, won't there, in, in the corner, who never meets anybody. You know, just uh, not likely. You know, mainly because, you know, maybe a bit bigger than the average person or just not as exciting or a bit dull, you know. And because uh, there's, no, there's no secret, is there, to what makes people attractive to other people. Initially, it's looks. The first thing is, is looks. <laughs> Apparently, according to my new best friend, Greg's tomato soup is off the charts. I didn't know Greg's did tomato soup. Do they do, do, they do a different soup? We've got a student in. So do Greg's do tomato soup? They do do tomato... Is it a regular on the thing, or do they vary every day? Is it different soup every day? It varies, right. Is it very expensive? You know, 90 pence or something? Two pounds? Oh, God, you know the prices as well? Amazing. I love students. They can remember everything except the course that they're on. Isn't that fantastic? Mainly because of drugs and stuff like that. It's sort of rife at university. Yeah, come on, they all say that. We do do drugs, kind of thing. So that's quite nice. It's pound sixty-five. You're wrong. And my friend knows these things. Because I should imagine he's he's been in and bought quite a few Greg's tomato. I used to love a soup in a polystyrene mug. I think that's that's quite funny. He's lying, says my friend. You're lying. Just sit there and lie. Awful. One sixty-five. Thank you. I tell you what they used to do. There used to be a place in Fleet Street years ago called Gloriettes, and it was it was a forerunner to Patisserie Valerie. But they used to do pasties, big giant pasties, full of mince. And um, and thin potato. Oh, God, it was delicious. Seriously, you'd go in there. This thing would fall apart in your hands. You couldn't get it in your mouth quick enough. My friend says they do it every day. It's the biggest seller. <laughs> I thought their... Um, isn't their steak bake their biggest seller? They are, When I went in yesterday to buy two sausage rolls, uh, she said anything else, and I, I, I took a cursory glance down to the cabinet, and they had, what do they call them, cream slices... Oh, God, I could, have, I could have gone a cream slice. That's where they take, like, a, a donut thing, cut it down the middle, squirt cream in, in that sort of pretty pattern, and then squirt some jam on the top of it. I love things like that. But I, I, I don't have it very often. It's like I like any of those cakes in Patisserie Valerie. I could live in Patisserie Valerie's window, I've decided. That would be the place I'd be happiest at. Provided somebody would do me a fish finger sandwich or a roll. That's a nice... They don't do that in Greg's. I thought Greg's would do that. I thought that they would actually do... Fish finger rolls. Because that, that'd be really nice. Can you not do Greg's? Students love it. Students cannot get enough of Greg's. Oh, they, they clutch their little coins. They go in there. Can I have, can I have a sausage roll, please? Because if you buy three, I think you get four for the price of three. So students will always go in there because they think it's a bargain. And then a lot of it's made in Twickenham. 
A lot of Greg's food is is made in... He's still here. And also, apparently, fruit pot, cheese and onion slice, tomato soup, four eighty five. He knows all the prices. Oh, God, I've got an audio message as well now. Certainly not listening to that on the programme. Uh, <laughs> fruit pot, cheese and onion slice and tomato soup. As if you couldn't afford anything else. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. 26 minutes to uh, six. It is 26 minutes to six. I don't mind 26 minutes to six, especially not on Friday. I love it on every day, every day. Oh, we've got some clips. We will play some clips this morning of the In Conversations for uh, for this week. And uh, coming up this week, Jojo Moyes, only Jojo Moyes, and Victoria Pendleton. Pendleton? Pendleton. She was lovely. She's doing jousting. She's doing jousting now. And uh, so we had a... Because I know a bit about jousting. I've never done it, but luckily... I know that they used to have a jousting area at Hampton Court Palace because they uncovered it a short while ago and they said that's what it would be. And they all have... Now they do modern-day jousting. Same sort of thing, but they do it with armour on to protect themselves because if somebody's got a 13-foot lance coming at you, if this thing, you know, you didn't have your armour on, it could go right through you. And they've got a, um, a shield on their shoulder and that's what you're supposed to hit. So you pelt down the line on this horse... And then you get to bed, then you have to jam the blooming thing. Sometimes your lance breaks and they have to sort of do a quick repair job. And so she's, she's promoting that. It's quite exciting because she's done jockeying. I told you, did I tell you that the first time I actually went, went horse racing, we went to Kempton, we've been to Sandown, we've done quite a few things. I was amazed at how small racehorses are. I thought they'd be big. They're not big. They're like, they're very delicate. They look like my little ponies. Amazing, isn't it? Uh, Mervyn's in San Antonio. Texas. He says, I'm English. Well, bully for you. That's nice, isn't it? That's like students, you know, waking up in the morning going, I'm alive. I'm alive. Oh, I've missed the lecture. Oh, well, what the hell? We'll go tomorrow. Uh, I recently moved to America and I'm astonished with the extra large portions here and extra sugary drinks and sweets. Uh, Candy, as the Americans call it. I don't have diabetes, but it would be (laughs) very easy to get it there. They have no idea in America on what is a regulated portion. They seriously don't. I mean, every time I've been there, and I've ordered. The worst places are the, the restaurants, which we would frequent here, like the Indian restaurants and the... <laughs> the Indian restaurants and the Chinese restaurants. The Chinese portions are huge. If you order sweet and sour pork, you don't want anything else. That's like a dish in itself. My friend says, racehorses just look big because the jockeys are so small. They are small, aren't they, jockeys? It's either that or they do pantomime. There's not really a bit of the choice. Who is signing... Frankie Dottori's tiny. He used to have a fish and chip shop, Frankie Dottori. He said he'd like, you'd never get rid of the smell of fish and chips. Never get rid of the smell of fish and chips. But I always fancied having a fish and chip shop. I'd be doing sausages in batter, beef burgers in batter, chicken and chips. God, honestly. Such a snobby student, aren't we, honestly? Are you one of those different students where you're sort of terribly refined? Not back again, is he? Oh, no, it's uh, apparently Paul Smith says that's why all Americans are fat. Well, I mean, they, they're big into... When we went and stayed in Santa Monica, every day I'd, I took my producer at the time with me. I wanted company. And, uh, and she would walk down to the beach every day and swim in the surf. Not me. I'm sitting on the terrace with a pair of dark glasses on and a bread roll in my mouth. I'm not going down the swimming. And everybody's fit. You go down to Venice Beach and they've got people doing muscle workouts and everything else. And people like to show off their, their body. Not me. I was covered up, full burka. I'm not showing anything to anybody. It was a, I just don't understand this sort of this 
aggressive side of bodybuilding where, where people sort of end up, you know, with the biggest muscles you've ever seen. I mean, huge. In your case, it sort of moved down and it becomes fat. But if you were, if you were working out... It's funny, isn't it? I was talking to somebody a short while ago and uh, I said, the reason you put on weight is because you've got a girlfriend. Because what people think is, the moment you've found a girlfriend, it doesn't matter if you're punching above your weight or whatever, if you find a girlfriend, the fact is she obviously likes you for the size you are. So it makes no difference whether you want to put on more weight because they're always going to like you until eventually a television programme comes along and goes, listen, you know, would you like to be more attractive to your girlfriend? Would you like to lose weight? And they go, uh, yeah, and they go, and we pay you some money. And you go on this programme and then they do workouts and they do they do calorie balanced meals. But when you first move in, you know, it's all new. You know, when you move in with your partner for the first time, you go, oh, this is so exciting. It's like, woo, like adults and all the rest of it. And then you realise you've got to buy Domestos, toilet paper. You've got to buy toothpaste, toothbrushes, towels. Parents help out, but they're not over keen on the idea that two people of the opposite sex are sharing a bedroom. They don't go for things like that, parents nowadays. And you've got to buy everything yourself. And then you suddenly realise that, oh, we don't have a washing machine. Oh, don't worry, we can go to the laundrette. That's OK, that's cool. So you have to lug all the bedding down there in these huge bags and then sit there with all the other sad people watching your washing going round and round. Then you go home and go, but we're living together. And you suddenly realise you've got no money. And you can't afford to do anything. So you open up the fridge and the cupboard is bare. You have to wait to get some money in. And then you go, let's go get some chips. And so you go and get some chips. Then you go to the pub. And it's never... Because nobody's ever got any money nowadays. It's so expensive to rent places and to... If you rent, you're renting a place. Renting a place. So what's... Where is that? Where is that? In... Uh, in where? It, Leamington. Right, that's still going, is it, Leamington? That's amazing, honestly. I thought that was the place where you go to visit your granny, Leamington. Is that Leamington Spa? Is that, is that like that? Leamington Spa... Well, you go to die, isn't it, Leamington, I thought. It's, always, it's seaside town, isn't it? Oh, it's not seaside. Oh, right, OK. Oh, it's near Birmingham. <laughs> Why do I think Leamington Spa? And it conjures up an image of what I think Brighton looks like in its heyday, as opposed to this dump, which it is at the moment. So Leamington's there. So what would you pay for a, a one-bedroom flat up there? Probably around uh, 4.50. Oh, you don't know. Oh, how, how do you not know how much it costs? You pay weekly. Oh, how much is... You pay week? I've never heard of paying weekly for something. That's a bit worrying, isn't it? That's to make... Ah, it's because you're a student. They're worried. If you stay a month, you might not pay at all. So, £100 a week. That's split between two of you. Hundred That's for, for, for just you. Yeah, it's £100 for both of you. Right, so that's 50 quid each a week. God, that's cheap, isn't it? £400 a month. Wow, God. Does anybody get anything in London for 400 quid a month? That is amazing. So what do you get? You get bedroom, kitchen, bathroom, sitting room. For, for Julian is paying £700, isn't he, for his... But he has got a concierge and he's got two lifts. Wow, that's an awful lot of money, isn't it? £700 a month. Actually, round our way, I don't know what it's like where you are, but it's an average is about 1000 1200 a month for a one- or two-bedroom flat. I mean, a two-bedroom flat in a new complex, just literally within spitting distance of me, is 700000 Small wonder nobody can afford to buy these places. It's ridiculous. But I do take the point, Mervyn, that the portions in America are absolutely enormous. They really are. They've got no concept. I think they like to give value for money. And I've seen some of the huge portions in the roadside place. It looks lovely, but makes me feel ill at the same time. Uh, Kevin the Milkman says, Steve, I pay my barber commission only. 10p per hair. I give him a pound and say, keep the change. Thank you. Little Julie says, no, it's the big cat sanctuary in Smarden in Kent. They also have snow leopards. Most of their cats have been rescued from circuses and they give homes to retired cats from zoos. So they can spend the rest of their days in the Kent countryside. How lovely. 
See, I like things like that. It gives us an opportunity to see things, doesn't it, that you wouldn't normally see. And that's what I like. I like the idea that you can sort of educate people. On the other hand, as you know, Julie, I do like circuses as well. Um, because I like the idea that, you know, it's, I just think it's, it takes you away from yourself. Circuses and fun fairs are my two, two favourite things. Two favourite things. Uh, we will do it at 6.30. We'll do the front pages of the, uh, of the papers. Uh, they're all talking. Again, we seen it's day after day after day after day. And the, there appears to be no end in sight. Uh, for Charlie Gard, uh, the judge rules he must die in the hospice. The parents have uh, released a new picture and say we've been denied our final wish. So the parents are playing the media game. You know, the, the media want to know about Charlie. And um, this was taken a fortnight after his birth in August of last year. So this is not a current picture of Charlie Gard. This is what he, he was like. And he's a, a little... In fact, he was two weeks old. He's got a card with two weeks old on it. I think he was blind even then. I think... I'm not sure if he was born blind or he became blind. I can't remember. But I know that he's blind and deaf and he's got brain damage. And I don't know what, what that's a, a result of, whether it's a result of his illness, which is uh, particularly rare. Uh, six weeks after the Grenfell Inferno, police say council and the tenant body could face death charges. Um... Because they say they found reasonable grounds to consider corporate manslaughter charges over the Grenfell Inferno. In a letter to survivors, officers said Kensington and Chelsea Council and the Tenant Management Association that ran the tower may have committed the offence. Oh, my God, fellas. So who is tenant management? Is that people who live there who formed part of... It's Oh, right. It's a company the council organised. Because I'm a director of the company that look after our site. There's two of us. And we advise our management company on what we want doing. Right. So theirs was set up by the council. This isn't people who were living in Grenfell to. Oh, right. Right. And I mean, you know, people have said the residents deserve answers about it. They're going to cover the building up, aren't they? I think uh, within a short space of time, it will be covered up completely. They'll put it in this cladding, which they have. And which you see more and more in London. You never used to see it years, uh, years ago. You could see scaffolding. But now each building that you see in an effort, presumably to keep all the dust and everything else in, is uh, every building's clad. Sometimes the ones we had done in Leicester Square a short while ago, they had pictures of the building superimposed onto the covering on the outside, which I thought, I thought looked absolutely amazing, actually. Absolutely amazing. 84850, steve at uk. Kevin, the lorry driver, not the milkman, he says, is it just me? Heinz salad cream tastes better from the glass jar than the squirty thing. No, it came in a glass jar. I thought it only did squirty things. Doesn't it only... comes in a glass jar, does it really? Oh, right. You've told me something new. And uh, Julian says, forgive me if I mention Rod Stewart. He just gave 23,000 to disabled children who were protesting against healthcare bill in America. Wow. I didn't know that. Did you know Mix Cafe in Fleet Street in the 1970s? I did, absolutely. It was down at uh, Ludgate Circus. We used to go down to Mix. Greasy Spoon. Greasy spoon. We used to go to... There were lots of sandwich bars that opened up while we were there in, in Fleet Street. I loved it. I thought it was quite exciting being in the shadow of St Paul's Cathedral. And there used to be a railway line that went over at Ludgate Circus, but that, that got taken out. And, uh, and that was amazing as well. I liked it. So I'm, I'm just going back to this salad cream in a glass jar. Are you sure? Salad cream in a glass... I've got mayonnaise in a glass jar, but I've not got salad cream. I thought salad cream was always squirty. That's one of the staple things, isn't it? They did a thing the other day. Some boys who were creating um, 
a new dish for a ready meal. Student fodder, as I call it, you know. So they can go out and pretend that they can sort of cook something and all they've done is just shoved it in the oven or stuck it in the microwave. You can buy anything now. Meals that cook themselves in the microwave are the easiest things to do. And it makes you look a bit cordon bleu, doesn't it? So people come around and they go, what have we got? You go, chicken tagliatelle. Do you know that the... Did you know that the Italians do not have spaghetti bolognese? They do not have spaghetti bolognese. In fact, there was a woman on the television the other day, she nearly laughed herself silly. When somebody said, so should we see who makes the best spaghetti bolognese? She said, you won't find an Italian who does spaghetti bolognese. They do, they do bolognese with tagliatelle, but they don't do spaghetti bolognese. Why? Because it's ridiculously stupid. It's like you won't go to Italy and find uh, a ham and pineapple pizza. That's for us. That's not for them. You go over there and go, excuse me, can we have two Hawaiians? You know, Hawaii pizzas. And they don't do it. They do different. They do proper food. But they don't do spaghetti bolognese. I was quite, I was quite intrigued by that. It's tagliatelle that they do. And there's so many different types of tagliatelle. It's like there's so many different forms of Indian food, depending on which region somebody comes from, determines what their food tastes like. And I've not had Indian food for ages. I pass it all every time. In the supermarkets, and I always look at it longingly. I look at the picture on the box and, oh, it'd be nice if I could have that. And I think, perhaps I could have it, and then I could crawl up the hall like last time, uh, thinking I'm going to die, I'm going to die, so I didn't bother. And then I did make the big mistake of buying crispy duck in, uh, in Iceland. I should have eaten the picture on the box. It looked dis- I don't think my, my duck had eaten anything. It looked rather emaciated. I was a bit disappointed. There was some time ago. Hopefully it's improved by now. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. I don't know why I'm in a good mood. There's no reason for it, apart from the fact it's Friday and it's still not raining. It's not raining, is it? We've looked out the window. It looks OK. It does look OK. Thank goodness for that. Uh, Dodie Fired. According to a new book, I started telling you about this book uh, the other day. Dodie Fired, who apparently went out with, uh, with Diana. But we, I don't know in what relationship they went out, whether or not they just went out as friends. Apparently, according to this new book, he frequented gay clubs and he took cocaine. Um, I thought we already knew about... I didn't know about... Uh, I, I thought I knew about the drug side of it. I'm pretty certain I did. Uh, but also, loads of people went to gay clubs. That doesn't mean that, that you're gay if you go to a gay club. There's loads of women who've been to gay clubs and gay bars, you know, mainly because they can go and have a dance and nobody's going to bother them. Um, so I don't really know why they're sort of perhaps they're, perhaps they're saying perhaps he was gay and we didn't we didn't know about it. It doesn't make any difference actually now. It's all these years later. Also, the secret world of London's underground mail operation because they've now opened up as a tourist attraction. Um, the uh, the underground railway and the postal railway up at wherever it is in London, just behind um, it's. Mount Pleasant, that's it, Mount Pleasant. And the railway there that goes... And you can actually go on it. You can book a ride to go on it. And I thought that'd be quite nice because I believe it stops off at Buckingham Palace and it was an automated railway. There was nobody on it. It just pulled in, stopped, and then all the things were loaded and off it went on its next bit of the journey. It's, it's right under your feet. And so they've opened it all up. They've cleaned all the tunnels up and it's lovely. Uh, Angie says, Steve, Heinz salad cream can be bought in a glass bottle like their tomato ketchup. Not in a jar like mayo, so it's a glass bottle. Oh, right. Well, there you go. All these things you learn. I didn't think it was actually in a jar, because jar. if you had it in a jar, it meant you had to have a spoon. And it meant you had to put the spoon in the jar, and then you had to... And it was always... It, the squirty thing was a lot easier, wasn't it? You go, like that. And then some... Well, if you had it in the... Oh, that's right, you did. You had it in the glass bottle. And you had to shake it. Because otherwise it congealed around the top of it. You could never get it all out. It sort of came out in one, one great big dollop. Uh, 
so sugar makes blokes bitter, a link to depression. I wonder why it's only men. I wonder why it doesn't work for women as well. But I think too much sugar is, is bad for people anyway. Star Trek. I've ceased to be amazed by these stories now. To have its first ever transgender character. They say that Doctor Who could be bisexual. I mean, it seems like we've gone absolutely bisexual and transgender mad. Every programme now. You know, very shortly, we'll have radio presenters announcing I'm transgender before the programme. Who cares? Does it really make any difference? It'd be like people announcing, you know, what their preferences are on the radio. Which, you know, I don't think it's of no interest to anybody, is it? I mean, student radio, maybe, but I mean, not, not for anybody else. Who would want to discuss things like that? So when people say, oh, there's going to be a transgender character in Star Wars. Listen, I've looked at half the aliens on that programme. They look suspiciously like they could be swinging from the other side of the chandelier, let me tell you. And so they, they sort of go on these... Pre- Does it make any difference? Star Trek fans will be up in arms. People are up in arms over the idea that Doctor Who was a woman. It's going to be a woman. People are up in arms saying, this is outrageous, I shall never watch it ever again. And you think, it's only a woman. What difference does it make? Does Superman have to be a man, or could he morph into a woman? Does Father Christmas have to be a man? Oh, they, it's, I've seen Supergirl. I can't remember who the actress was who, who played Supergirl. Again, it was a similar sort of thing. But they never did a version of the $6 million woman, did they? Where the $6 million man... And then we had the Incredible Hulk, who was a man. Why it wasn't a woman, I've got no idea. And then you've got all these other stereotypical things. You know, why is it all the seven dwarves were men? Why couldn't they be women? Why couldn't there be women in there as well? But they weren't. They were all men. And I thought that was a bit disappointing. Because if we're going to go the w- all the way, let's go all the way. The idea that there's a transgender character in, in Star Trek. I mean, the choice is, is it really going to be a transgender person? Or is it going to be somebody playing a transgender? Because if you remember... Julie Heckman from Coronation Street was a woman playing a Helen Slater, apparently. <laughs> Go away. Helen Slater was Supergirl. My new best friend knows this. It's like, it's like having an encyclopedia at the end of a telephone, isn't it? I forgot what I said. Yeah, that's right. So, <laughs> yes, go do some work. Go do some work. So anyway, so I've now forgotten where I was going with this story. Oh, that's right. Julie Heckman Watsit, who played Roy Cropper's other half in Coronation Street, who died ultimately, was a woman playing a man who tranced into a woman. Why couldn't they just find somebody who was trans? There must be trans actors and actresses out there. So the poor, the poor girl had to play a transsexual who then married Roy... But she was a woman. It's all bizarre, isn't it, really? I mean, honestly. That was the only thing. But ever since they've had that, they've never done it again. Whereas I'd be thinking to myself, well, go on, do it again, do it again. Uh, Tagliatelli is pronounced without the G, so Tagliatelli. And duck farming is very cruel. They're crammed into sheds. That's Oh, no, not the ones I've seen. No, not the ones I've seen. Ducks running free. And also ducks... Well, they might be in certain parts of the country. Uh, we had the, oh, we had the bionic woman, says Chris Lowry. We had the bionic woman. Do you remember that? I do remember that, but I can't remember what what she was, apart from apart from being bionic. I don't remember anything like that. I was trying to think about that. But Helen Slater. God, fancy remembering that. I think it was quite clever. But yeah, bionic woman. I liked Lou Ferengo, who was the, who was the Incredible Hulk. Because when he got angry, he got mad, and his shirt burst off his body. And yet, when he morphed back into the person again, the shirt seemed to fit him again. So he must have wandered around with a tailor or something at the at the same time. Uh, it's not a glass jar it comes in. It's a glass bottle, says Lorna. The same glass bottle as ketchup. Uh, Steve, I noticed you made a comment about looks. Why do people feel they have a right to make people who aren't born with good looks to feel bad? Well, it's kind of tough, isn't it? You need to get over yourself. 
Looks are the first thing you see in somebody. That's what people are attracted to. You look at somebody and you go, you're attractive. You know, I've often said, you know, whenever I do... When, sorry. Whenever I, whenever I used to do a show, the, li- the live shows, we'll probably do another one this year, I always say, listen, there's some very attractive people here and there's some very unattractive people. I said, I don't want to point you out because you know who you are. You know if you're good looking. I know when I look in the mirror that I'm not a good looking person. But I've learned to live with that. So I developed a personality. Ha, 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 And it's that person that gets you. Because if you don't have looks, you've got personality. I know some of the least attractive people who are the most successful in their, uh, in their partners. My, my new best friend went out for dinner with Helen Slater when she was going out with Nick Rhodes in Los Angeles. Stop with the name dropping. Just stop with the name dropping. It's ridiculous, honestly. I don't name drop, as I was saying to Dustin Hoffman only a short while ago. And, uh, but it, it, you're quite right. It's something you're born with, looks. No, you can make the best of yourself. I don't agree with that. You can make the best of yourself. Either by the way you dress, the way you hold yourself, you know, the, the looking after yourself. You can always make the best. Some people don't bother. And those people I don't, I don't care about, you know. But some people make the best of themselves. Some people just balloon, you know. And there's nothing they can do about that apart from attach a piece of string to their feet and sort of float around in the ether. That's about all it is. You can't do it. It doesn't matter, though, does it? But that's what attracts people. That's why we are... Ve- what, watch the take-me-out, nor likey, nor lighty. All those people on there think they're really good-looking, but quite clearly they're not because they can't find anybody to go out with them. That's why they're on a programme where one bloke gets to pick them, but luckily they have the right to go, we don't want to go out with you either. But they're all on there because they can't find anybody. So, sorry? And then, they, then you go for Love Island. Provided you are prepared to actually have sex on television, they'll take you on Love Island. They're not particularly bothered about it, but it's not like sort of working phone boxes or something like that. You don't get paid for it. You know, if, if you bonk somebody... Because some of these people in the, in the Big Brother house, they can't seem to go like a week without going, oh, I'm so... You know, there's a rude word that goes in there, which I can't say. You know, I get so frustrated. And you think, well, don't go into the Big Brother house then. There was one woman, she, uh, her boyfriend came in there. I say woman. And, uh, and they had that quite quickly. I mean, I'm in need of, of sort of talking to Lucy Beresford about this. There's so much... We're so obsessed with it. It will not be too long, will it? Before we're going to have stark naked people on television having sex and, and Ofcom will be saying, well, you know, that's what we've come to expect. You know, naked Blue Peter. Naked this morning. Eamon Holmes and Ruth sit there stark naked. Sorry, I felt quite, quite bilious then. But, uh, you know, I think people will be going, well, we don't mind seeing Holly Willoughby with no clothes on. That'd be OK, wouldn't it? But, uh, no, so that's what it is. Looks are the first thing that attract, uh, attract you. You go into a bar, you go into a club, you go into a nightclub, you see someone, you go, wow, you're nice looking. And then you spend the rest of the night going, uh, <laughs> she'd like to be my friend. And they go, no. So uh, then you start all over again. But, you know, get knocked down, pick yourself up. Doesn't matter. Does not matter. It's just that nowadays you're not too sure what you're picking up when you go to a a nightclub. Coming up uh, just after the news at six o'clock this morning. Uh, The model who's just a bit more than eye candy. The Grenfell bosses facing the manslaughter quiz. The tragedy of Charlie Gard. Uh, The parents now say we've been denied our final wish. They're doing it for the best for the best for the child. That's what they're doing. Two teens held over the French holiday fires. It's wag bag swag. John Terry loses a fortune. His insurance company would be thrilled, I should imagine. The secret world of London's underground mail operation. And Dodie Fired apparently went to gay clubs and took cocaine. Well, tell me something new, please. And uh, the dog shows, deadly for Alsatians. You're listening to a podcast from LBC.
Morning, a pretty nice heavy company for... No, it's not. Very nearly five minutes past six. 28th of July, Friday, nearly the end of the month. And I don't know what the weather for the weekend's going to be like. In fact, to be honest with you, I've given up telling you the weather. And the reason... I've given up telling you about the weather is because I've been wrong every single day. I've been promising deluges and biblical proportions and this and hellfire and all that. None of it's happened. None of it's happened. So I feel a bit guilty. I see people walking in and out with umbrellas and I think you might not need that today. Yesterday was lovely. It was actually quite a nice sunny day. And I thought, OK, that, that's quite good. And then I thought and I little was sort of prepared I keep trying to follow the Charlie Guard story. I keep trying to keep up with it. Um, I think we all know what's going to happen. We just don't know when it's going to happen. Great Ormond Street have said that if he goes into a hospice, then he should be allowed to die fairly quickly because there is nothing more that you can do for this child. And I just think we're, we're sort of prolonging something. It's making it worse for them as well. It's making it worse for everybody because they're having to live with this on a, on a day-to-day basis. They don't want him, presumably, to die in the hospital which I thought would be the best place for him. He's surrounded by all the love and care, as opposed to they're going to put him in a in a hospice, wherever, we don't know, and then they're going to find two people to sort of look after him through the end of his life, and at some point somebody's going to turn round after they unplug him from the machine and say to the parents, he's gone. And that's going to be two people they don't know, whereas surely they know all the doctors and nurses at Great Ormond Street. I would have thought, personally speaking, they would be the best people. They, they've sort of, you know, they, they've almost been denied... Their part of Charlie's story. They were the ones who've looked after him for all these months. God knows what that would cost if you were paying for that in America. That would be absolutely astronomical. But at some point it has to... And I think it's his birthday very, very shortly. I think within a matter of days it'll be his first birthday. That would be awful to actually, you know, unplug him on his birthday. I think they have to do it either beforehand or they have to leave it afterwards. But they don't know how much longer... You know, the, the courts are going to allow this to, to go on for. And so it's on, it's on the front pages of the papers. It's moving a little bit away from it because I think the, the papers have realised that, um, that, that, that there's no happy ending on this story at all. 84850, Steve at uk. Apparently, Steve says, another Steve, it's Royal Leamington Spa. Is it? Why is that? And uh, Ian says, Leamington Spa is two miles from me in Warwick, it's the poorer relation, full of students. You can rent a place cheaply, but it won't be very nice. Old Town and Sydenham are awful places. There you go. That kind of solves that problem. Somebody vehemently denying it here in the studio. But uh, I'm prepared to go with you, Ian. Uh, my, my money's on your side of it. This is all the... Oh, it's, it's, we've got our own place. But, of course, I remember the very first place I had, which I rented, and I had the bathroom in the sitting room because it was a, a house conversion into lots of bedsit-type places. So I had a sitting room, and the bathroom was in the sitting room, but it, it was covered, you know, it was sort of walled, a, a sort of temporary wall, and the bedroom was in the kitchen. And I think I paid £100 a month for it, so it shows how long ago that was. Uh, Steve says, uh, apparently, a lot of people tell me about Heinz squirty salad cream now, and a lot of people are asking me about... Um, about Fleet Street and what it used to be like. Busy. Very busy. It was always full of rolls of newspaper in Bouvery Street, where the Sun and the News of the World were printed. Uh, on the Sunday night, in would come the rolls of newspaper before they suddenly realised you could print on computers. And uh, you just did it that way, and that's why they were able to go down there. Because it was there's so many drunk printers. <laughs> Terrible. LBC was right in the middle of the blooming thing. It was, uh, it was very interesting. 84850... 
Steve at LBC. Somebody else says, oh, no, it's the same person, say, it's unacceptable to make negative comments. No, of course it isn't. It's called being truthful. It's called being true. You have to be honest about things. There's no point, you know, saying here that, you know, it's got nothing to do with skin colour or disability or sexuality. It's whether or not somebody is good looking. That's simple. That isn't defined by your sexuality. That isn't defined by your disability. That isn't uh, divided uh, over skin colour. It's got nothing to do with it. It's whether you're good looking or not. It's as simple as that. And it's not unacceptable to make negative comments. The weather's going to be absolutely atrocious today. There you go. I've done it. Another negative comment. You know, I think people have to sort of grow up and smell the coffee, actually, and uh, sort of bring themselves into the into the real world because it's a mixed bag. And uh, and that's why we like it, actually. Somebody else saying that uh, Leamington Spa is mm-hmm, maybe not, not so great. It doesn't matter, though, does it? I mean, put it this way, if you're with somebody and you're in a, a little place, you know, you think it's your own, even though it's only rented, and uh, and that's that's your first little place together, isn't it? I think people like that kind of thing. I find it slightly strange, but, you know, that's just me. I don't worry about it. We've all done it. We've all done it. Somebody moves in with you and then you suddenly realise, my God, they've got strange habits. You know, people who can't sort of, you know, lift the lift the lid of the toilet and things like that when they go to the toilet. People who can't fold to- towels and they leave them on the floor. You know, different things like that. People who don't put the, the, um, the lid back on the toothpaste again. People who sort of take the last of the milk without going, we need to get some more milk. You know, that kind of thing. But you, you learn about somebody very quickly. Very, very quickly. And it either goes really well or it goes pear-shaped. You know, so doesn't matter. I'm sure it'll go really well. Sounds, sounds fantastic. And, um, you know, for a quicker tumble-dry, add a tea towel. I've never heard of this one before. A cleaning expert has revealed a simple trick that could help slash those bills. Add a dry tea towel to your load. I used to put sheets in. You would rip these sheets off, made up sort of some sort of flock type thing, and it would it would make your clothes smell nice. And I remember putting this in. Nowadays, you put... I've got little beads that you can put in the washing machine. I don't know what for. It's, it's just something else, isn't it, that you sort of end up buying. You think, oh, well, if that's what you've got to do now. Um, then that's what you have to do. Uh, the Corbin Easter's video that mocks the middle classes. Uh, this is complete with garden party setting and piano accompaniment. And uh, they've got all these things here. Didn't pay anything for university. Uh, and they moan about how hard it is to get on the property ladder. Bought her first home for 20000 now worth £1.5 Interesting, isn't it? There's a lot of jealousy nowadays of what people have got. Uh, you know, what car do you drive? What, what house do you live in? Are you middle class? What's middle class? I don't know. Are you upper class? Probably not. Probably not. Might be middle class people listening to this programme now. There might be students, working class people, ordinary people. Just ordinary people. We're all very ordinary. It just means that we have extraordinary jobs. The Tories, Theresa May says, got it wrong on gay rights in the past. And uh, as a poll for a gay website finds four in ten people think homosexuality is unnatural. Four in ten people. Does that mean six in ten think it's okay? Six in ten, it's okay. So four in ten. I should imagine students haven't got the faintest idea what the question even meant in the first place. So, so what do you think? Four in ten. Do you think you've got any gay gay students? I don't know. Probably loads. I should imagine. There's probably gay societies in universities, aren't there? I would think so nowadays. It's that. It's it's moved on that much. I remember years ago somebody telling me that uh, there was a, a gay society at Reading University. I remember thinking, blimey. So how many gay, it's, it's like, then I discovered there was the, the Gay Police Federation as well, which was, was, was for gay police officers. It's funny that, isn't it? It's really bizarre. But all of a sudden, it's kind of everybody's... So now I'm presuming you have to have sort of 
What else would you have? Transgender societies within universities because it seems to cover everybody. Unbelievable. Um, Angelina accused of cruel trick to help her cast films child stars. Uh, she was complaining the other day. She says that this, this divorce has made her feel quite ill. Uh, John Terry's holiday photo and how it tipped off the burglars who stole his wife. She's got 28 luxury handbags. Well, let's face it, she didn't have him for very long, did she? Anger as grooming gang get legal aid to fight deportation. This is a court case uh, that's already cost us a million pounds. And uh, this is part of the Rochdale grooming gang have been given legal aid. And um, this is sort of something that will be uh, hitting, the, uh, hitting the courts. I, I didn't even think we still had legal aid, but apparently we have. And um, spermageddon is the revolution that makes fertility rates uh, have plunged by 60%. Mother Earth's way of giving us a stark choice. Mend your ways or face extinction. It's never going to happen, is it? Never going to happen at all. Uh, the soft social workers who failed to spot brothers were radicalised. I don't hold out much hope for social workers, I'm afraid. They've missed all sorts of things over the years. And these were two teenage brothers killed fighting in Syria. They converted to militant Islam under the noses of the social workers who didn't have the faintest idea what was going What do they do, social workers? What do they do? We've had more problems with social workers over the years. A report has found that youth workers, council officials and police missed the chances to stop members of this family joining a group aligned to al-Qaeda. Uh, one was 18, one was 17. They were at risk of being radicalised. And they were, but they're now both dead because nobody spotted it. Nobody spotted it at all. I don't know how they fail to notice these things, but there again, you can't expect these people to find a lot of things because it's blatantly under their noses and they kind of miss it. Uh, a record high. This is a tax on prison guards and inmates. This is after the story emerged that 71 inmates have been freed in error. Just as dangerous inside prison as it is outside prison at the moment, isn't it? And also sexism rows. Three in four commons experts are men. This sexism row has broken out. Um... As it turns out that most of these experts are men, a diversity audit carried out for the first time found 72% of those called before select committees were men. For some, only 10% of witnesses were female. The report says 3,153 people appeared in front of the influential bodies in 2016. 2,257 were male and only 896 were women. God, we've got one, one step forward, six steps backwards. Ridiculous, isn't it? The bonfire of the caravans left by the Riviera Inferno. People standing by their caravans, which has just burnt out completely. And the dog show story. The dog shows, which could be deadly for our Alsatians. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. 6.20 is uh, the time. The £50 million a year cannabis kingpin. Please bring down the ringleader. And this is Britain's cannabis farm kingpin, jailed for... Oh, dear. Michael Corcoran's gone to prison for 14 years. After his record-breaking £50 million, million drugs ring was smashed by the police, he turned out huge harvests of uh, potent skunk cannabis to feed the demand for the drug. He had fans, all sorts of things going on. He lived a life of luxury from the profits of his crimes. He enjoyed numerous foreign holidays. He had a small army of employees who opened up almost identical farms hidden inside industrial units across Kent and Norfolk. But his lucrative operation collapsed where the police were called to a suspected burglary at one warehouse and discovered a single cannabis plant on the floor. They then got a search warrant and they then discovered what he was operating. So uh, they discovered that Corcoran, a family man, um, who lived in Yalding, I think it is in Kent, was jailed for a similar cannabis conspiracy in 2007. Uh, yesterday, friends and family 
watched as he and 13 others, including his most trusted lieutenants, is that what they call them now? Lieutenants, they weren't in the forces, uh, were responsible and jailed for a total of 90 years. Amazing, isn't it? Apparently he'd hidden behind false addresses, but uh, the other members of the gang from 18 to 51 were jailed for between 18 months and nine years. So there you go. And they were nicking electricity and all sorts of things. But anyway, 14 years to enjoy life in prison. I'm sure you'll enjoy every single bit of it not. Uh, also, what not to wear on holiday. Who knows what to wear on holiday? You know, do you wear your shorts, your Tommy Bahama shirts or whatever? Because this is after poor old Theresa May the other day went out in an outfit. that went, oh, no, it's so wrong. Because she was so pale. What, what she should have done is she should have uh, darkened her legs down. And also, do you remember the story? I didn't quite get round to bringing it to you, but I hinted at it the other day of a lot of drivers who had parked on their drives who got parking tickets. They came back and they discovered that they'd all got parking tickets. Why? Because what a lot of people do now, they sort of do away with the front garden because nobody wants a front garden now. They want to have a front uh, parking space. And so it's good. They go off street parking and that's fine. So all these people here who lived in uh, Gants Hill uh, in Redbridge, North East London, uh, suspect there is a new overzealous parking officer. Well, there isn't. But what they've done is their cars are sticking out onto the pavement. They're not actually off the pavement completely. And so, you know, um, they, I don't know what they're going to do about it. There's never been a problem. Some are getting two or three tickets a day just for having a few inches of their car hanging over the boundary of their drive. But the trouble is, what do you do with that? Do you sort of say, well, it's all right for an inch or a couple of inches? I mean, is, is that what people say? I don't know. They say the drives are too short. Yeah, because drives weren't meant to be drives. They were meant to have plants on them. And that's it. Officially the world's most handsome man is apparently George Clooney. Um, other people they've got. And they, they base it on your measurements. <coughs> so the length of your face divided by the width. The distance between the eyes divided by the width of one eye. The outer corners, and so it goes on. Eventually chin at midpoint where it goes in divided by length of lips. And so based on that, George Clooney is the world's most handsome man. This is a mathematical, mathematical formula from ancient Greece. Uh, number two is Bradley Cooper. Uh, George Clooney got 91.86% of being good looking. Uh, Brad Pitt is third. Harry Styles is fourth. David Beckham is number five. He'll be miffed. Uh, Will Smith is number six. Idris Elba is number seven. Number eight is Ryan Gosling, Zayn Malik is number nine, and Jamie Foxx is number ten. So there you go. So that, that's what it is. Those, that, that, that's, the, that's the look that you're aiming for. So if you look in the mirror and you don't look like them, you're not handsome. OK, not good looking. Just have to sort of just sort of give up and sort of go, I'm terribly sorry. I'm not a good looking person, but it doesn't matter. I mean, older men apparently are happiest about their looks. Older men are much, much happier about their uh, about their looks, whereas because I, I think to be honest with you, you couldn't really care less, could you? You get to sort of older, and then you go, oh, I couldn't really care less. Uh, my first guest on in conversation this weekend is a best-selling author and screenwriter. Ten years as a jobbing journalist, she concentrated on writing novels. She's won the Romantic Novelist Award twice. Her film adaptation of Me Before You was a huge box office success, and she sold over twenty million books worldwide. At one time, she had three novels on the New York Times bestseller list simultaneously. It's Jojo Moyes. She told me her children suddenly decided that mum was cool when one of her books was made into a film. None of them had ever read one of my books until <laughs> Me Before You became a film. And they came on set and then suddenly 
they decided that my books were worth reading. And um, in fact, my daughter did an internship at, at a literary agent's not long ago, and she came back and she said, Mum, I've been reading some of the slush pile. Your books are quite good, aren't they? <laughs> Yeah. Thank you. So they didn't know, really. You know, I suppose. As, well, no, because sort of when you're a writer, your job is basically sitting in the back room in your pajamas, you know, with a hoodie on and your glasses, and resting your feet on the dog, and kind of grumping at people who come and disturb you. So for to them, it wasn't really a real job. I was just this slightly grumpy presence in the back room, and suddenly, you know, there you are on a film set, and there's people that they recognise, and it's a bit more glamorous and. And yeah, I went up about five notches in their estimation. People know who you are. Yeah, you go, exactly. Yes, of course. I've sold millions of books. What about twenty million? Isn't it? I date? don't know. I think you might be right. I yeah. think it's about twenty. Yeah. Whichever way, it's it's nice when you go to the airport. You know, you go around where I want to move them up a shelf. Oh, do you know? I well, I was not successful for a very very long time. The best part of a decade. Right, lots of people. Yep. And so I, you know, I will never get tired of you saying something like that because it's really nice. It's a lot better than not being successful. Yeah. Yeah. I wish, I, to be honest, I wish I could write. I've got a very vivid imagination, but I just can't put it down. My spelling is atrocious. I know you've got words spell on everything else like that. And, you know, and people will say to me, I can always tell all your tweets. There's no punctuation or anything like that. And I say, yeah, because I don't write. I wish I could write. But you've got your own thing. I mean, you use language in a different way. Yes. You use it. Yeah. I, I couldn't sit here and do what you do. Of course because you I would, you're doing well, it now. I, yeah, but you're, you're the one guiding the interview. I would be umming and ahhing and, um, you know, wondering what to... Let's see, I'm running out of steam already. <laughs> Lovely Jojo Moyes, the author who'll be in conversation with me this weekend. As well as Jojo, I'll be talking to a woman who's a former Olympic, European and Commonwealth cycling champion at the Olympics. She struck gold on two occasions. She was one of the world's most successful female cyclists. After retiring from the sport, she swapped her bicycle for a horse and has since become a very successful jockey. She's now taken a step back in time and entered the world of medieval jousting. It's Victoria Pendleton. She told me all about the art of jousting. It's not about trying to hurt your opponent. It's about hitting a target. I mean, it so will it's, hurt. It's but... basically like fencing, but on horses. Yeah, so it's, yeah, so they have a small shield attached to the armour at the shoulder. Um, and it's about trying to hit that area precisely while galloping a horse along, dressed in, in a lot of heavy armour. I mean, I had light armour on and it was 45 kilos worth of steel. Yeah, I've seen armour. Um, so, it looks heavy. And holding a 12-foot lance in itself is a challenge. So trying to coordinate this whilst looking through a 5 millimetre gap in the helmet to look through, <laughs> bouncing up and down on a horse, you can't hear anything because your armour's so noisy. It just gave me a massive respect for what... People did in battle wearing armour yes. throughout history, yes. but just such a challenging sport to take up. And, yeah. and as I said, I quite like a challenge. Because I was always told years ago, and I wasn't sure if Henry VIII actually ever jousted, but I know that he did have his armour because I've seen his armour, his suit of armour, but they used to have to lift him onto the horse. He was on like a, like a, hoist, a hoist to get yes. him on there because the armour weighed so much. And because you had, if you had... So I'm assuming you've only got torso armor. No, you have on the legs as oh, well. Oh, you've got legs too? Yes. Shoes? I didn't have the shoes on because apparently it's quite a challenging skill to get used to that. Yeah. Um, I just had it down to the ankles. But I thought I, the, my first thought was, how do I how do I get up on that huge horse? Um, it was, there was like several steps of a mounting block. So the biggest mounting block that I've ever got. And then a couple of guys kind of give you a little shove as well just to get you to get you over. So uh, it had to be a, it was a very smooth operation. Um well practiced, I think, rehearsed by the valets. How, how many pieces are there to the armor? Gosh, how many pieces? There are a lot, aren't many, there? Many, many. I mean, it many. takes it takes a good sort of twenty minutes to get 
for someone to help you get dressed and you can't do it by yourself because it's all laced together so um i had a valet helping me put the armor on piece by piece from the feet building all the way up to the helmet there you go, the Olympic cyclist turned jockey, Victoria Pendleton, who's in conversation with me this weekend, along with the author, author Jojo Moyes. You can hear me talking to both Jojo and Victoria tomorrow morning from six after the best of Steve Allen. If you can't make it then, you get another chance on Sunday evening from nine and you can download it all from the LBC podcast app for your mobile or tablet too. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Coming up with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning at seven. The man who's been asked to look into the number of women in senior business roles by the government has been slammed for claiming the BBC gender pay gap happened because women weren't doing much about it. Nick will ask if Sir Philip Hampton is right. Plus, is the don't ask, don't get philosophy the only way to get yourself a pay rise? Plus, 143 Tory MPs have written to John Macdonald demanding that the Shadow Chancellor details his plans for Labour's ambition to remove retrospective student debt. Nick will speak to his opposite number, Philip Hammond, to see if the all-important Conservative sums add up. That and an awful lot more with Nick Ferrari at breakfast this morning from 7 here on LBC. Uh, spare a thought for a lady here. She was going for a world record on a treadmill. That's what she was going for, which is brilliant. And she's been told the record bid doesn't count. Unfortunately, by that time, she'd done 521 miles so they, they told her afterwards, which is a bit embarrassing, isn't it, really? So I've done 521 miles. Yeah, yeah, it doesn't count. What? It doesn't count. And then a walker. This is uh, <coughs> Mr Hughes. He's, a, he's a, a walker. And he was eating cherries. And you know what you do with a cherry? You put a cherry in your mouth, you suck the flesh off the outside, and then you go with the pip. That's what most people do. Unless, you know, either I sometimes, I sort of go into my hand and I'll drop it down a drain or something like that. I mean, I'm not looking around for a litter bin, which is probably, you know, to my, my detriment. Anyway, Mr Hughes had been eating a bag of the fruit whilst walking in Birkenhead when he was stopped by two litter officers. Uh-oh. They said they'd seen him discard several cherry stones and a whole cherry and handed him an on-the-spot fine of £80. Last night, the former environmental worker, said he was stunned by the plainclothes warden's behaviour. He said he told the officers from controversial firm Kingdom and contracted to work for Wirral Council that there were other seeds and berries falling off trees. Mr Hughes from Birkenhead said the area I threw each stone on its own wasn't where anybody else sits or walks. It was in grass among twigs, leaves and seeds. The worst thing that could happen would be for a cherry tree to grow. Kingdom, who are known as the litter Stasi, because of their heavy-handed tactics, have been employed by Wirral Council for the past two years. Councillor Phil Brightmore, Cabinet Member for the Environment at the Council, said they would make no apology for a zero-tolerance approach. So, in other words, he, the, the fine stands of 80 quid. And I've heard of people doing it before. I've heard of people who've sort of dropped cigarettes on the ground, and they've been done for littering as well. I saw somebody the other day, I nearly said something on the bus, I had to hold my tongue, I'm afraid, and it was a little kid who ran up the stairs, you know, as they do, uh, with, with the mother, had a lollipop stuck in her mouth, and the kid gets upstairs, takes a bit of paper and throws it out the window. And the mother never said a word, and I felt like saying, excuse me, do you normally allow your son to litter? I'd like to pick up all the litter that all these people litter with and go and drop it in their front garden. You know, because it's it's just awful. I know it's only one piece of litter and it probably doesn't make any difference. But, you know, in, in the big scheme of things, if we all dropped litter every day, we'd be in a terrible state. Uh, Amazon, you were out, so we left your parcel 
on the sofa, which is quite nice. Uh, the uh, the driver must have gone all the way around the back of this lady's house, through the patio doors, walked right across the dining room and into the lounge to deposit the parcel of coffee pods. Mrs Lindsay says that uh, normally it's it's left with a neighbour. I've got one at the moment which came from a delivery firm. I don't know what they're delivering. I've got no idea. They just said Steve and that's it. And then they said we'll make an attempt yesterday. Well, they didn't. So, uh, I don't know. Perhaps they just don't bother anymore, do they? Everybody else seems to manage it. I always have no problem with Amazon. There's always somebody who will be sort of looking out for you and they'll sort of take a parcel in. But some people don't. Motorway services, four times more for a sandwich. So they've sort of, they, they've sort of checked here. Water, 173 in the southwest. And uh, Coca-Cola, 225. It's amazing how it varies, actually. It really varies. So, for example, let's pick sort of a ham sandwich. It goes from £3.34 to £3.99, depending on whether you're in the northwest or the southwest. Uh, if you're buying a sausage roll, two thirty-seven in the northwest, two fifty-nine in the southwest. That's about the most expensive. Uh, Walker's crisps, pound a packet, northwest, one pound twenty. Oh my God, one pound twenty. That is. Where's that from? Yorkshire. Do you know the most popular tea brand is? Yorkshire tea. I didn't realise. I just I thought that was builder's tea, so not, not for me. But in fact, when you actually add up all these items, the ham sandwich, the Coca-Cola, the water, the sausage roll, the Walker's Chris, Cadbury's dairy milk and the wine gums, in the southwest it's £15.78, which is the most expensive place. The cheapest is £12.58. Average price of the same goods in a supermarket, £6.31. So my advice is go and uh, buy the stuff in the supermarket before you go, and that way it will be an awful lot easier and an awful lot cheaper. So we can uh, we can help you. Jan Moyer says, will Angela Jolie ever stop polishing her halo? I know, I'm finding her slightly dreary, actually. There's always there's something about her. There's something about her. And also, I'm slightly bored as well with, with Rihanna, who turns up to the opening of a fridge door. I've never known anybody turn up in so many different outfits. And you keep asking, you know, what does she do? And apparently she's a singer. But I'm the last one. Steve, there's no such thing as spaghetti bolognese or any other pastas, including uh, tagliatelle bolognese. It's called pasta al ragu. And I was brought up on spaghetti al ragu. And I'm from the area. Also, the bionic woman was the female version of the six million dollar man. The six million dollar man. Do you remember him? We can rebuild him. What was his name, though? What was the six million dollar man man's name? Six million dollar man. Steve Austin. Steve Austin was a six million dollar man. Where he is now, I've got no idea. Uh, Steve, it's very funny how this mathematical formula for measuring handsomeness has managed to pick out ten very famous people. No offence to George Clooney and gang, but I'm sure there are much more attractive people who haven't chosen uh, or gone into acting or music. Yes, you're probably right, actually. It's like Miss World. I remember meeting one years ago, Eva Rubus Steyer, I think she was. And uh, I remember she came to open a an escalator in a shop that I was working in. And all the people were saying exactly the same thing. They were all saying, God, there's better looking girls walking outside on the street. Because that was just, you know, in Miss World, they aren't supposed to be classically beautiful. I think they're supposed to sort of tell you that they do wonderful charitable works. Uh, Steve, I remember those sheets. I used to use them. They were called Bounce. I remember because it reminded my checkbook that often bounced. Oh, God, can you imagine? That dreadful thing where somebody sent a check back to you because it had bounced. Oh, God. How dreadful. My father was considerably more handsome, 
says Jax, than George Clooney. He really had film star good looks. Must be hundreds of men like that who are not famous or in the public eye. Yes, I, I thought it was a bit odd that they're all in the public eye, those people. A female friend of mine, Steve, was on Take Me Out a few years ago. She used to tell me stories of how half the women that went on the show used to turn off their lights every week just to stay on the show so they could get more airtime. Well, that's a good idea. And uh, somebody says, do you come from Yorkshire? Uh, no, but I lived in Yorkshire for a couple of years. You are so refreshingly honest and plain speaking. Well, I'm plain. I'm not blessed with looks, but it doesn't matter. I love people with character and real personality. I agree when you say people should get over themselves. People these days are so egotistical. They want flattery uh, all the time. Not the truth. Of course, looks are not important. Everybody can be loved just for themselves. But, that, but that's what it is, isn't it, Una? It's you, if you go into a place, you do look at somebody. I look at... Attra- Sorry, are we keeping you up? I look at um, I look at people who are who are sort of good looking, and I think, oh, I wish I looked like you. But then you ask good looking people, do you think you're good looking? And they'll go, no, my nose is too big, or I've got you know this or that. They'll always find fault with themselves, whereas everybody's going, are you kidding? Blimey, you know, I wish I looked like you, but of course, you know, you don't have to don't have to worry about things like that. It's not important, is it? In, in the great scheme of things, it really it's the weekend, for goodness sake. We should just get out there and enjoy ourselves. So the Daily Mail front page, as judge rules, Charlie must die in a hospice. Parents relieved this new picture and said we've been denied our final wish because the judge wouldn't let Charlie go to their home to die because they're not equipped for it. You know, I think leaving him where he is. But if he has to go somewhere, he's going to go into a, a hospice. And for how long he survives, we don't know. Um, either way, it's it's not it's not pleasant for anybody. Nobody's the winner in this thing. It's it's just a shame. The hospital do their best. The parents get more and more angry. They go back into court. We have shouting sessions. You know, it's it's no more dignified than than cat fighting. I'm afraid. Uh, the hospital say this is the situation. The parents go, "You've denied our final wish that he can die at home." Why not leave him where he's been the most happiest? But, you know, why Why let me stick my six-penneth in? Also, six weeks. It really is six weeks. It only seems like the other day we were doing four weeks after the Grenfell Inferno. The police now say the council and the tenant body could face death charges. Um, I think in due course, a senior representative of each corporation will be formally interviewed by police in relation to this matter under caution. Uh, some this morning... Uh, horse dopes, wrong nag, put in race and it wins. I never understand horse racing, actually, but bunglers put the wrong horse in the race and it won at 50 to 1. Three-year-old Millie's Kiss ran instead of sable mate Mandarin Princess, the two-year-old. The mix-up was spotted only when the winner went for a scan. The result stands pending an inquiry. Punters and bookies at Yarmouth branded it embarrassing. Didn't anybody then recognise? Didn't anybody know what was going on? Can you identify different horses? And uh, and the answer is, um, obviously not. Obviously not. Uh, plus, uh, John Terry and his uh, wag wife, luckily keeping... Hasn't he moved from Chelsea, John Terry? He's moved. He's gone somewhere else now. Aston Villa. Is that is that good or is that a bad move or good move? Second division, a bad move. Apparently bad move there. But uh, she had handbags worth £120,000. Uh, they had twenty-two. Oh, sorry, £220,000 worth of posh jewellery. £18,000 worth of uh, Harry Potter uh, books, because, you know, if you collect first editions. And their jewellery, I mean, the most expensive was a, a Cartier ring. Oh, no, it wasn't. It was an eternity ring worth £61,000. Good Lord, honestly. Small wonder they were robbed. So there's uh, people there, and but they haven't recovered anything. So presumably you you don't get it back, but you have to then make 
an insurance claim. Uh, the Mirror, the tragedy of Charlie Gard. Um, the parents now talk to the press on a regular basis. So for all the people saying, listen, just leave them alone and all the rest of it, they, they actively go to the press. So you've got this story here. We've been denied our final wish. Mum's fury at hospital bosses. I'd, I'd quite like to hear them say it. Probably not politically correct. I'd quite like them to say thank you for everything you've done for him. It's very sad that it didn't end up the way that we wanted because he's not well enough and it was never going to happen. But thank you anyway. So far I've heard no, no thank yous or anything. It's just taken for granted. It would be nice. You know, so she blasts doctors. It's small wonder you get sort of sick people in this country who then attack the doctors as well, both verbally and on, on Twitter. It's as a, a direct result. And so they've now released another picture. The judge has said that Great Ormond Street could send the tot to a hospice to die quickly. Connie says they've denied us our final wish. Well, he's going to die. That's it's You know, there is no miracle here. I wish there was. God, wouldn't it be so much easier? It would be so much easier. Oh, look, there's a lovely story here from Catherine Tildesley from Coronation Street. Apparently, having a picture of her fat helped her lose weight. That good. So everybody who's fat, you just take a picture of yourself and, and you look at that. And, that, and it, In fact, you should have it stuck to your fridge. You know, so if you've got a picture of you looking fatter than you were before, that in when you go to the fridge, or failing that, you have a thing that opens it. No. You just have a little record. In fact, I think you can buy a little. It's a fridge thing, isn't it? When you open the fridge, it goes, I don't think so. So you're made to, to close the fridge again. I think it's a brilliant idea, isn't it? You know, I'll do anything to encourage people to be as healthy as I am with my lifestyle. You know, <laughs> actually, the only thing that's a problem, really, for my lifestyle is sitting down. You sit down for three hours. I do know certain radio stations where they stand up, but unfortunately, in speech, you tend not to do that. It's like sort of standing up driving a car. That would be a lot easier, wouldn't it? And uh, Warren says, I've tried that. You just eat more as you feel depressed. <laughs> it's true, though, isn't it? I don't think I've got anything healthy in my fridge at all. Might go and get one of those nice sherry trifles from Marks and Spencer's later. The big version. I don't want to do the little versions because you, you, you kind of could eat two, couldn't you? But that's the sort of thing. So you have, a, you have a picture of yourself on the fridge and that encourages you to lose weight. You're listening to a podcast from LBC. Morning, everybody. Nice to have company. Ten to seven. Ten to seven. Apparently, says Benjamin, we have Yorkshire tea, Yorkshire pudding, Yorkshire terriers and now the Yorkshire iPhone. I'll tell you what's lovely. I went to a party once and the, the canapes were little miniature Yorkshire puddings with roast beef in them, which was quite nice, with a bit of horseradish sauce. Quite delicious. Uh, Steve, my birthday's creeping up fast. All the letters this past week have been for funeral plans and I'm only 50 plus. That's the thing, isn't it, when you start getting those odd things through the post and it will, will be a funeral plan. It's, you know, I, I sometimes get the emails where they sort of say, you know, have you considered saving for a funeral? I thought, no. To be honest with you, I'm really not going to be worrying about that. Let somebody else worry about it. But the good news is that it's only 22 weeks to Christmas, says Jax. And that is what we call a result. 22 weeks to Christmas. I'm going to start looking at Christmas cards and presents. Although actually presents, as, as you know, as you get a little bit older, you don't bother with presents because they want money. You know, all of my... Godchildren and everybody else, they all want money. Nobody wants presents anymore. You know, present giving is aging. It used to be a gift voucher, and I never liked a gift voucher. I thought that showed a distinct lack of imagination. So what I would rather do now is give somebody money, because it's, it's better for them, and they can then do with it what they want. If you give somebody, I don't know, a toy or something, they go, mm, it's not really very exciting. Nobody wants things like that anymore. You know, what would you like to give me for Christmas? I've got friends of mine who deliberately say... Right, in, you know, in my face they go, listen, I'd rather have, uh, rather have money. So I give them money. 
Uh, I've heard on the news if you, it, uh, it stops diabetes if you drink three to four times a week. That's it. Coffee in the bin. Vodka. Here I come, says Warren. Yes, unfortunately, it's only for people like you who aren't diabetic. For people like me who is diabetic, it's about as much use as a chocolate teapot. So uh, not very happy about that at all. Daily Star. Uh, Beck's in a cheeky signing, in a desperate attempt to be publicity shy, as you know David Beckham is, together with the whole family. Um, He signed a woman's bottom the other day when he pulled in for a pit stop. Thank God there was a photographer there to record it. So you literally have sort of David Beckham going for world dominance. It must be awful when they climb into bed at night. And and she says, how many times do we get papped today? And he then says, oh, I don't know, three or four times. And um, and you think to yourself, that's all their life consists of, isn't it? Turning up for the paparazzi. It's very embarrassing. Uh, Dodie Fired went to gay clubs. This is the stunning news that comes as no surprise to anybody. I don't know why, because gay clubs in the past, all sorts of people went to gay clubs. You don't have to be gay to go to a gay club. You can go into a gay club because you like the music, or you can go into a gay club because, uh, you know, especially if you're a girl, you don't get hassled by people. Nobody's going to be hassled. Can I have a dance, darling? Nobody's going to be saying that in a gay club, put it that way. You're never going to get any fight, because what queen wants to ruin their hair? You spent a lot of time doing your hair, and then you get the no, no chance, no chance of any fights. Uh, Anton Deck, look away now. Scarlet's red-hot sex secrets. I shouldn't imagine there's any red-hot sex secrets. She only went out with him for a very short space of time. His name's uh, Richard, Richard Cull. He's tattooed, so he's a bit of a plank. And uh, and he's going on to this uh, new Love Island style show on Channel 5, I think. And she's worried he's going to talk about her sex secrets. Darling, you really should have learnt your lesson by now. Nobody's remotely interested. Could not care less. Couldn't care less. Drinking wine can fight diabetes. The Express, they always have a good, a good medical type story. Also, teenagers arrested over the fires on the French Riviera. Uh, Angelina Jolie... She, she is becoming quite irritating, isn't she? Sparking a bizarre child actor row. And uh, the EU bullies told you can't hold Britain to ransom. Uh, also, all the papers are talking about Prince William and the fact that he's flying off into the sunset. I'd love to know exactly how many of these sorties he's been doing because he's moving down to London. They're moving into Kensington Palace. They've planted uh, trees around there so they can give them the privacy, which they get up in Nottingham, I think they are. Uh, the Times this morning, their theatre... Do you know I discovered my name on a theatre poster? I'm so excited. I went to Waterloo Station yesterday, going on the ground level where there is um, a um, McDonald's, and the big poster on the left-hand side for an American in Paris, the top headline is me! Me! I nearly took a picture of it to go, it's me! And I thought, no, that looks really naff. So I'm going to do it this morning instead. <laughs> uh, gay clubs in London, says Charlie, runs the entertainment department, have the cleanest loos, the cheapest drinks and the best looking men. She says, I've not been to a straight club in ages. That's the sort of thing Charlie Gurley would actually tell us about. So there you go. She says, I've not been to a straight club in a decade. See, there you go. You don't have to. So why mentioning Dodie Fired? You know, going to a gay club, as if they're sort of saying maybe he was a secret gay. So, I should imagine Diana had lots of gay people that hung around her. They thought she would camp. Why not? Why not? Uh, also, uh, the uh, what are the biggest shows? I'm so excited to see my name on a poster. I couldn't believe it. I was, I was very thrilled. Very thrilled to see that. But the best shows in the West End, I hope they're all on the sort of shows that I like. Because I, I like a good musical. In fact, I, like, I, ju- I just like just about anything. I really do. And so I'm hoping all the same ones are there. 
and I think they probably will be. But if, if but you might see me on this poster. It'll just say Steve Allen LBC, and it's got a big quote. There's one at Charing Cross Station. I'm so excited, so excited. Is it a big poster? You nearly van? Oh no, okay. <laughs> Maybe not so exciting now. Maybe not so exciting. I could. It's only because I was on the escalator and I wanted to say, oh, look, that's me. And I realised, who would I be talking to? The woman behind me had probably never heard of me in the first place. Exactly. I should have written over it. It's me. But I'm the trouble is it's so busy at Waterloo Station, I can't just take a picture, can I, the poster with me on it. That would be, that would be a silly thing to do. Silly thing. Uh, Lost in Showbiz, Marina Hyde on Bond. Love Marina Hyde. I used to read her column every week. She used to work for one of the Sunday papers years ago. God, she was good. Good, good, good. Council could face Grenfell criminal charge is the uh, the Guardian. And uh, Amber Rudd vows no cliff edge on EU migration. Plus the British dancer Xander Parrish as Prince Siegfried with Victoria Tereshkina as Odette in Swan Lake. This is the uh, Malinsky Ballet, which returned to the Royal Opera House this week. So that's good news. And finally, the Daily Telegraph. Picture of uh, William, and they go, that's a wrap. It's like, he's not been doing this for like 25 years of his life. It's only been sort of a short space of time, really. Uh, The life of misery for German shepherd dogs. Apparently, German shepherd dogs are living and dying in misery due to intensive breeding for cosmetic results. Data collected from 430 clinics reveal arthritis, cancer, aggression and sloping backs are affecting the breed. Oh, dear. Got to be good. Got to look after them better, I think. Uh, The mile-high teacher framed, says brother, Branson to sell a stake in Virgin Atlantic, and steroid use quadruples as men seek Love Island look. It's all these people who go to gymnasiums and then they walk out with the washboard stomach and then they have their tattoos... And um, and then they just sort of wander around from reality show to reality show. Nothing, nothing particularly interesting uh, for any of them. But w- we do watch the programmes. Love Island sort of captured the imagination because people couldn't believe that you could find people who actually have sex on the television. Perhaps it's a discussion for Lucy Beresford. She might have done it already, actually, discussing sex on the television. I mean, as far as I'm concerned, there's far too much talk about sex, mainly on this programme, actually. Uh, am I on the side of a bus? I don't know, actually. Oh, Warren said he saw me on the side of a bus. Oh, good Lord, I'm not on buses as well. This is too exciting. Mind you, it is a great show. It is, it is really a great, great show. So tomorrow morning, between five and six, it's the best of Steve Allen. And uh, there's some cracking bits in there. I mean, some of it I haven't heard before. It's rivetingly exciting. Followed by In Conversation, Jojo Moyes. Excellent. And Victoria Pendleton. Really brilliant. Talking about jousting. So that's tomorrow morning. And so I'll be back with you tomorrow between five and seven. And then back with you on Sunday morning between five and seven as well. I can't remember what times I'm doing now. (laughs) It's not even Christmas and I'm getting excited. You can listen to LBC whenever you want, wherever you are. Download that free LBC app for your mobile or tablet. Never miss a moment. Leading Britain's conversation at ten this morning. It's James O'Brien. But coming up next with breakfast, it's Nick Ferrari. If you enjoyed this podcast, listen to Steve Allen live from 4am Monday to Friday and Saturday and Sunday from 5am.